this show is distributed by SoundCloud. Welcome. Welcome to episode 176 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. And today's show is going to be a smorgasbord of topics, all sorts of things going on. Um, anyway, how are you doing, Jason? Doing well. Glad we have uh, a good connection, finally. Yeah, so finally got my internet in. That was brutal, the last one we did with your cafe hijacked connection. That's, that's why I didn't say very much, because every time I was speaking, there was just this massive background noise, <laughs> and the connection was bad. But, but anyway, right. we, we got it out there. We, we, we soldiered on. We made the show happen. You got an interesting comment from, I think it was like iSoftwareMaker was the uh, pseudonym he used. And he's like, look, I don't care about the, uh, you know, the poor quality of the sound, but I do care when you don't do a show at least once every seven days. So I thought that was a fair criticism I, I hate it when we're we have to miss shows but uh i, I felt like after uh after the struggle of last week's interview show that just was was kind of not worth it or we weren't really really couldn't do a discussion show um with you in a cafe right so so we have had awesome any food news and there's also awesome texting news in the sense that we have had some astonishing donations come through um since our last discussion show and uh, let's start off with our first donation, which is $177 from Peter Goldsmith and Tim Sinell. And basically, um, I'll just read what they said. Um, I'm emailing you about the $175 donation I just made. It's a donation from both me and my friend Peter Goldsmith, who just happened to introduce me to your show. We've both listened to the entire back catalogue of your shows and are big fans. Wow, listen to the whole thing. They listened. So this was 175 that they posted. They listened to 175 episodes. Wow. So they say, given that we've been enjoying your show for so long, we felt like giving something back. I'm not sure if you realize from the number, but we've donated a dollar for every show we've listened to, plus another two for the missing episodes. Now, <laughs> now that's paying attention to detail. The right missing there. episodes. <laughs> well, there was one where the recording didn't happen. It, didn't, it wasn't recorded, right? And right. that was a big... That was a big letdown. I remember that one because I, I could even talk about texting for like two days. I, I don't so even think I've ever seen you in such a bad mood as when we, those two times when we basically, <laughs> the, the show didn't record. Did it happen twice? <laughs> it did, it did. Yeah. There was two I missing guess, episodes. I yeah. guess I must have wiped it from my memory because it was so painful. I mean, when you spend like an hour and a half, two hours on a show, and especially when you feel like it was a really good one, because for some reason, I, at least the one that I remember. I, the first <clears> one we said, that's the, oh man, that's the best show we've ever done. <laughs> It was really good. I, I thought it was really good. It was it was fast paced. Yeah. We had it was it was funny. We got all kind of crazy topics. And then when you called me up like fifty minutes later, and I you're like, I got some bad news. I I was just like, I can't even <laughs> I can't even talk about it because there's no getting it back. You know, it's not like yeah. when you write some code and you delete it. You know, well, we've all I done that with lost was. code. The first, you know, the, the first one I forgot to record, but the second one was a technical issue. That's what that's yeah. what it was. Yeah, that's what. That's it was right. Doing. Yeah. Was and, and see why it's so painful even more than say losing code i mean losing code sucks because it's just like you know i just spent half a day on this and i somehow wrote over my code or did something stupid and we've all done that at some point in our careers and that sucks but you can't get back a uh, a conversation you can't recreate it 
it's it's gone forever. So that was really painful. So continuing on, um, he says, while it is a donation, we'd really love to get a shout out for our iOS app, Spent. We've got traction in the Australian market, but haven't made a dint anywhere else. We'd love for you to mention Spent to your listeners to give this a go and see if we can get some US, UK downloads. So, um, yeah, Spent. Check, check out that app on the App Store. And um, we've got a little bit of a background about Spent as well. So uh, we'll talk a little bit through that. Wait. Oh, yeah, oh well, actually, I did download it. And uh, oh, I was experimenting with it this morning. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I haven't ever done expense tracking before. I've, I guess it just never really occurred to me to do it. Uh, I'm not, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I've never, I've never done. Let me, let me guess. Sandy does that for you. If if there's any expense tracking done, it's probably Sandy who does it. Yeah. Sandy's kind of operations around here. Right. right. <laughs> I don't even know. A lot of times I don't really don't know what our cash flow is. I just will go in there and go, okay, so what, what's our story? What do we owe or what's our debt level or what's our, you know, where are we? And so she just, she takes care of all that, all the accounting, all the taxes, all the, you know, everything. So, cool. so you just, tried the app. I'm dying to hear what you, uh, it's very well done. It's very, I, I like, uh, I like it there. It's very, it's simple. So one of the things they said in their, cause I ask, I asked those guys to please email us a little background on their story. I thought yeah. that fun to hear. I love stories myself. <laughs> so I wanted to hear, I wanted to hear, you know, what they've been doing. And they said they, wanted to create it because everything in the app store, every type of expense expense tracker was either way too complicated that it was like impossible to use or was so simple that it really just didn't provide any value. And they wanted to hit some middle ground. And I think they hit it. It is really nice. I mean, I mean, I just entered a couple of expenses and then, you know, it has like a history. You, you create an expense really you pop up and you just, how much you know, does it cost? Like $1.99 or something. Nothing. <laughs> That's yeah. just that's just crazy. Um, I mean, it took them. Um, okay, so basically, um, I'm just just kind of para- paraphrasing. Oh, well, let me t- let me finish the, the talk about this, this the app for a second. I okay, just go so, on. Okay. so you have a little history. You have your stats. So you can looks like you can look at your week by week on each day how much you spent. You categorize stuff by tag. Ta- you can tag it, and of course, you categorize like food and lodging or I don't know whatever. Just tons of different categories, and then they have like a cool like upcoming like repeated stuff, and then you have these different settings for backup. And, do uh, they have a way, I mean, I don't know whether you notice this, but do they have a way for you to take a little picture of, if you're eating in a restaurant, you can snap a shot <laughs> and basically take a picture of the receipt. Oh, I think you like, take a picture of your food. <laughs> this is the Why wonderful- would you think I'm, that? Why would this, you think that? Well, because you're kind of a foodie, right? <laughs> oh my God. What the, I mean, even I wouldn't be that ridiculous. I mean, come on, come on. <laughs> I don't know, you know. I mean, well, who's the guy? You ever watch X3 with uh, John C. Dvorak? Yeah. That's, by the way, that's one of my favorite podcasts. It, right. it's, it's like a video cast. So I recommend X3 to anybody who likes Dvorak. Um, so he's on there with these two other guys, and I always forget their names. But one of the guys, he's kind of like this real, like, sysadmin hacker type. Yeah. And he, he says he and his wife take pictures of every meal they take or every every time they go out to dinner and share it like on, I don't know, whatever service. And I'm like, what? No, but so- if you take a picture of a receipt, then you've got like rock solid tax accounting right there. Yeah, no, I think that's actually a good idea. I mean, especially... If you, well, ta- if you take a picture of a receipt and do a note of why you're at that dinner, that meal, that's it. Like you, you're, you're covered by, by the whole tax thing. That's, that's a good idea. We, you know, when I... So I go up to Uber once every three or four weeks. And um, I put everything on my credit card, the, the flights and the hotel and yeah. the 
parking. Really, that's the only things I really ask for reimbursement on. I don't get reimbursement for meals. But, um, you know, one thing I have to take a photograph of is a little um, receipt I get at the parking, yeah. at the, hotel, the airport parking. And, you know, I was thinking about it. You could integrate very simple e- expense tracking. Like you could say something like, when you enter an expense, is this something I need to be reimbursed for? Yeah. You know, because uh, then I, I use, they use Expensify um, as their sort of reimbursement service. It's a pretty cool web service if uh, anyone needs one. But yeah, I could see that's, that's a good idea, taking a picture of a receipt. What I really like about what these guys have done is they've stuck with it. Like they, it was an idea that they came up with in uni. Um, but basically it took them a year and a half to get it out the door. Not that it took them a year and a half to build it, but it took them a year and a half to get out the door because they had different stuff going on. And they just, they stuck with it and made it happen. Well, it was funny is that neither of them owned a Mac. I guess they were taking a (laughs) a course and I I, like an elective and, and, and iOS development. Yeah. And so what they did is they turned their netbooks into Hackintoshes. Nice. (laughs) That's no easy task. Well, this is what they said they said they said something like it's as much art as it is science. Um, right. I'd thought about doing that a while back, but I I, I decided not to because it looked like it was going to be kind of a headache. But um, that was pretty cool. So I mean, that shows a certain level of perseverance. And you know, if you if you're in college, you don't have any money. I mean, I don't know about you, I was broke in college, right? I mean, you're just trying to get enough money to pay your your rent and and buy a pizza on Friday night. So, um, you know, if they had limited resources, like, well, we got to be able to do this, you know, just turning their little netbooks into Hackintoshes instead of using them as an excuse not to do an iPhone app. I thought was pretty, pretty cool. So a nice little um, twist is that Pete ended up recently getting a, a gig at a pure iOS Mac development shop, but still doesn't own a Mac. So he's still <laughs> working on his Hackintosh. <laughs> but I've got a feeling he's going to need to upgrade to a real Mac at some point soon. Well, I thought one thing was uh, about the story that was important is that when... Um, I believe it was when Peter um, first got a job. To, I think Tim was still at, 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 in, in school. Right. Um, because I, I guess Peter wasn't used to getting to working full time. Like it just, he didn't realize how much that was going to drain him. That they just basically didn't do it. There wasn't a commit for like six months or something like that. It was like March and September. Right. And that's one thing I've, we've talked about a lot about is the importance of momentum. Yeah. I mean, even when you're busy, even if you can slip in, even if there's a week that's just going to be a pure nightmare that you're just having almost no time, even if you can get in like 15 minutes once or twice a week, just just stick your toe in the water, just keep some momentum because it just kind of refreshes you, it kind of refreshes the cash, <laughs> you know, it kind of like gets, it gets that, gets some of the code in your brain a little bit, gets you thinking about it. But, and, and he, he made a really good point. He's like, he's like, um, I can't find the line, but essentially said, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's easy for a couple of days to turn into a week, turn into a month, which can turn into never, you know, if you take a break and it, it always reminded me of like when, whenever I'm, yeah. I'm sure I've said this multiple times when you work out, it's like, don't take more than a day off because two days can turn into a week, which can turn into two weeks, which can turn into you're done. You're not, you're off the wagon. Yeah. It, I mean, the mental game of startups is, is so powerful. And I mean, you know, I've been, I've been going through that myself. Um, it just, you know, just by traveling down here, that cut me off from development. And what's happened is I've just totally stalled on Plugio now. So I've been working on other stuff, but because I've stalled on Plugio, I, sh- I could have been doing an hour a day or something like that just to keep the momentum going, but I didn't. So now I'm like a week, week and a half without doing any Plugio work. And that's ridiculous because I'm in the middle of a major rollout. So I need to totally get back into that. 
Well, it's it's all about the challenge of the context switch too. I mean, it yeah. is you have well, yeah, you got your consulting work with Company Fifty Two, your Plugio, you got Anyfo, you got the podcast, and then you have that other project with Company Fifty Two. Can you even talk about that yet, or is that uh, that's quiet? a good question? I don't know. I don't know. So I'm, I won't. We'll leave it to leave it till the next show. Just just to be sure. To be sure. That's a cool project, um, and that's been taking up your time too. So every t- single time that you have to change modes and go into something else, it's difficult. And, you know, and when you take three or four days off or something or a week, it really, I don't know what it is. It's like you have this sort of half-life in, yeah. uh, of like, of like uh, code um, accessibility where, you know, you, you know, how long can I take off before, I, you know, this is a, it's just a precipitous drop in my interest and ability just to get any traction on it. Because if it goes for like a week for me, and it's probably even a little less than that, maybe like five days. All of a sudden, I just, when I load up the code editor, I look at it, I'm like, I don't really know what I'm working on. I don't really know what I should do. And not only that, it's like, it's not just like you don't know where to, you know, where to get a foothold. It's like you just don't want to. You just don't have the drive. So that's not the only donation that we've had. We've had a couple more donations, and um, we'll try and put in some lessons with these donations as well, to, so that it's not all about donations. <laughs> but well, the lesson is you need to donate. <laughs> Please, that's the last. Textinglife.com forward slash donate. Okay, so. Show your, commi- show your commitment to the, uh, to the, uh, the startup faith. Okay, vibe. well, here's, here's, this is hardcore. Uh, David Walz, uh, W-A-L-Z, donated $100. That's all there is to say about it. David Walz donated $100 to us. Actually, you know, um, David, uh, he, he, me- he messaged me. Messaged me? All right. Messaged- me on Google Plus, and I couldn't figure out how the hell to respond to him. I got an email notification. I had that same thing. I was like, I was going into Google Plus. I mean, I wasted like 20 minutes dorking around with Google Plus trying to figure out, like, click on his profile, click on mine, streams. Is there a private message? Is there something like, I was like, what the <laughs> hell? There's an email, and I was clicking on the email link. Maybe it'll take me there. And then finally, it's, it was saying something email about the Google, about the Google Plus app. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll install that. And that was the only way that I could communicate with him. And so I did that. So we went back and forth, and, and he, um, he was really nice about it. He just said, look, you, I don't – he's like, I think you guys are really uh, providing a lot of value, and I really appreciate uh, you guys, the work you're putting in, and that, uh, you know, really, I want to, you know, show my support. I was really – so I guess it was worth the effort to get that kind of feedback. It was first he said – he said something like, I think you guys are creating a lot of value. And I'm like, are you talking about any food? <laughs> like, I, I didn't know what he was talking about. Uh, but uh turns out i guess he he's um he's interested in it if he thinks that's cool but he was um definitely wanted to support the show so yeah we I definitely appreciate that it was yeah, very cool very much so i mean and a hundred dollars which is our like that that's our on, on any normal show that would be like the maximum you know donation but it was just it was just a kind of a weird thing to get the 177 dollars from the other guys <laughs> that's but, the super that's the superman donation yeah the hundred dollars is um the grand patron donation um so thank you so much. Um, it really is appreciated. Um, so we also have another a fifty dollar donation from Ben Boiter, who's a an a, um, a long time commenter and listener of Texting. Um, and Ben Boiter says, uh, "Just donated a small amount of cash to you, most as a result of your responses on Startup Guild and the like regarding salaries. I essentially took the advice and mangled myself a hefty pay rise." So. Mangled himself? Yeah, he says mangled himself. Mangled. <laughs> I don't think he mangled himself. He mangled. 
<laughs> he finagled his maybe, maybe he, said, he, he says mangled myself for hefty pay rise in other words he means that somehow he managed to make it happen that he got a big pay rise yeah I, I was he, he, he was mentioning something about some things that we said about you know transparency and uh, you know making you, one of us said you never you never got something you didn't ask for something mm-hmm. like that I don't know if that's quite true. You sometimes you get stuff you didn't ask for. <laughs> it's it's not it's it's much easier if you want something. It's very easy that you go after it. But uh, it was nice to know that um, that some things that we had said had somehow you know motivated him or positively uh, affected him. That was that was cool. Yeah, he says he says since you guys could be considered the catalyst, I thought it only fair a chunk went over to you to support the show. <laughs> but but he finished by saying, however. I don't think you need to redesign the site. There's no reason. Right. I guess maybe it's, just, it's like, we're like the Craigslist of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, you can get the shows, you can, you know, it's usable, but it's just, you know, we're, we're trying to achieve beauty and, and it's Spartanness and it's lack of design. Lack kind of, of embarrassing. We've been talking about this design issue for over a year. <laughs> In fact, I think we've been talking about the design issue longer than we've been talking about any food. It's like complaining about yourself being overweight for like 10 years. It's like eventually <laughs> you're going to lose weight or you're not, right? Right. I mean, it's kind of like the same sort of thing. Um, but you know what thing I, I, I wanted to point out? We have a pretty big Aussie contingent. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, go on. Talk, talk more about that. Okay. So I think we're getting somewhere near 2,000 listeners, regular listeners. Yeah. We're, we're approaching that number. And... Um, of the people who donate and comment a lot, I mean, I don't know how many of those 2,000 are Australian because I can't imagine it would be more than, you know, 50 or something like that. But uh, the ones who are listeners are very active in, in donating and, and, and uh, commenting and are actually extremely generous. They, they donate a lot of money. They, they tend to email us quite a bit with a lot of helpful information like Alfie has done that and Ben and, and Tim and Peter and and uh, Nethy and there's a few others. I mean, I I I don't have a list in front of me because I, I just feel like there's like probably eight or ten uh, Australians who've uh, just been really generous with us. And I I don't know, man. I, I'm becoming a big fan of Australia. I think we're gonna have to make a. Well, a what text. was that thing you said? You said you used to work with an Australian guy, and you said when you when you work with the Australian guy, you you felt like he was always having more fun than you, and when you work with the English guy, you felt like he was smarter than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Well, I guess, the, okay, so Cameron Adams um, was the uh, Australian I'd work with, or the Aussie. He's a, um, he has, his website's pretty well known. It's, it's called The Man in Blue. I guess he's he's pretty well known in Australia, actually. He's written hmm. at least one book. And I had hired him, like, back, I don't know, like six years ago to help out a little bit on Prezo to write um, write some custom, I don't know, text uh, selection code back hmm. in the day when... You know, you had to deal with IE six and Firefox one and that kind of stuff. So, but when you when you talk to him, it would, he he would be like, "Ah, no worries, mate." You know, it's like <laughs> he didn't have a care in the world. He was having a good time. It was all good. You know, probably out, and, out on the beach having barbecues. Yeah, it was like he was he was definitely having a better time. He was definitely having a better time than me. Now, working with Guyon, Guyon is like. Perhaps we could consider another approach. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> he just sounds more educated. He sounds like he's straight out of Oxford or something. Right. You know, he's very erudite, refined thinker. And uh, that's always felt like, you know, it just like adds 20 IQ points to uh, the way you come across. Um, 
Oh, yeah. that's nice. nice but anyway, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the Aussies, and uh, particularly the te- the Texing Aussies. And you know, it was interesting. So Tim Sinell had emailed me a couple times um, about this. Um, I think he called it SRS, which is the Space Rep- Repetitive Learning. I, I got the acronym wrong, but you know, when we talk about like if you want to remember a fact. Oh, you 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 like remember it. Um, to, you, you rethink about it in a day, then you rethink about it in two days, then you rethink about it in five days, and then a week kind of thing. It's sort of this like exponential decay yeah, yeah. It goes off. And so, but the, it, when you want to remember a fact, you want to memorize a fact, it's better to have it presented to you right at the point where you're about to forget it. Hmm. So if I, if, I said, if, I kept, if I reminded you five days in a row once every day, that would be much less effective than I did it today, five days from now two weeks, three months, and then maybe a year from now. And then it's just kind of burned into your brain. Um, it just sort of tricks your brain because your brain, your brain's pretty smart about it. Sort of, uh, I guess you'd call it memory management. And it's like, uh, it, it's like, you know, like you have like um, garbage collection in, in these languages. It's like, well, there's no reference. There's no dangling references or, or there's no references. So we're just going to delete this. <laughs> so if you have some fact and nothing's referencing it in your brain, uh, there's, no other, there's no other things that you think about on a regular base, basis that, that reference it, and you don't think about it directly. Your brain's like, eh, we can get rid of this. Yeah. And uh, it, I mean, obviously it doesn't really work that way, but it seems kind of like that. And so I, I think using this sort of uh, this, this technique, which was, um, I think it was uh, pioneered by a guy in Australia, and I forget his name, but he, he came with a, a, he wrote the software. It's called Super Memo Pro. And I remember reading a, um, a big article about him and wired like five years ago or something. And so Tim Sinell has emailed me or emails me uh, every once in a while with a, with a link on the topic. And, and he said something about, I can't remember brought it up, but it turns out he knows Jeremy Howard from Kaggle. Remember, remember Jeremy it was Anthony yeah. and Jeremy. Jeremy is the guy who created fast mail, which I believe was bought by opera, mm-hmm. which is where Alfie works. <laughs> <laughs> who's yeah. one of our Australian uh, listeners. And uh, it turns out that, that it created Tim that Jeremy taught him a lot of these uh, uh, space learning techniques. And, they, and I'm like, well, how the hell do you know Jeremy? It's not like, you know, Australia is like 100 people, right? I mean, just because you're Australian, it doesn't mean, Australia doesn't mean you know everyone. But he's like, yeah, they actually turn, took a class in Mandarin together. <laughs> yeah, they're, so, they're, learning, they're learning Chinese. <clears throat> and he, he said that, He's in this class, and they, I guess they had a study group, and that he and Jeremy were in this sort of study group together, and they would, uh, I don't know, study like five days a week or something. It sounded like it was pretty intense. And he said that he didn't even realize who Jeremy was and what he had done until quite a ways into it or, or later. Like, he didn't realize he was the creator of Fast Mail, and that he was this very successful entrepreneur and this just brilliant guy. And because, because Jeremy's like this extremely, like, sort of humble, understated person. Yeah. Do you remember him on the show? Like, I do, I do, yeah. He was, he was all about bigging up the other guy. He was. I remember he yeah. was talking with, about Anthony. He's like, he was really excited about Kaggle. And so he's like, hey, I want to help you in any way I can. And so he was helping <clears throat> Anthony do all this stuff. But, um, and I'm like, you have no financial stake in this. Like, why are you helping him? I mean, I mean it, that would well, that's, that's what it seemed like. But, but then it turns out he had a massive financial stake. Yeah. Well, yeah. It turns yeah. out that after selling fast mail or whatever, yeah. he's financially independent, can do whatever he wants at this time. So yeah. helping some struggling entrepreneurs, like, you know, whatever, doesn't really care. But um, anyway, oh, that was an interesting story. Yeah. So, well, that's, that's the end of our donation segment. We're now 30 minutes into the show. <laughs> well, I want to ask you one question. <laughs> okay, go well, on. It was also stories. It was like, yeah, no, I know, I know. Stories, which yeah. I think it's, it's, it's and listen to stories that you can learn from as well. 
I, you know what? I'd like to say if, if any of our listeners have stories that have any relation to the show, like there's any things that we've talked about or said that, you know, maybe gave you some ideas or helped you move forward in a project or just the fact that we're bumbling through our own project just gives you the sense that, well, if those two guys can do something, I can do it. I, I, I'd love to hear about it. Just send yeah. us an email and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it on the show because I think it'd be fun. And, for- and if you do want to donate, go to textinglive.com forward slash donate but also you can go to textinglive.com and click on the itunes competition and uh review review us there um i don't have accounts to hand but uh hey give us some reviews anyway <laughs> we need a push we need a push i know i know the stars the rest of us are ahead of us by a yeah, margin like, yeah i think we're we're about to breach 100 haven't we i think well, I they think, said that. yeah yeah we were 91 last time or something but anyway better. let's let's get into the, the the meat content of the show okay Let's go. You're the carnivore. Were you just Here. about to say something? You said, Actually, I wait, I'm the to carnivore. You. you don't eat meat anymore, do you? That's, that's uh, not, not too much. Not too often. You were just about to say, you were just about to say, hey, I want to ask you a question. I was. Well, I, I, I do want to ask you a question. How's life in Savannah now you've been there a week and a half? Wow. I, re- I don't understand what people's issue with Savannah is. I really... I, I don't have an issue. I'm just curious. You've moved I to- do not understand. Like... Like Rob Walling said, oh, you don't want to go to Savannah. The food's awful. I, I do not understand. The food is fantastic down here. Said that? You can get amazing food. The vibe is just brilliant. It's like, like downtown is like Pasadena. Um, and then moving out, it's like some kind of English town or something, but in a really cute way. And because it's got SCAD here, Savannah College of Art and Design, all this... All the students here, there's just so met, so, you know, it's just really vibrant. Um, there's loads of 20, you know, 20 year olds, 30 year olds, design students walking around having kind of explosive discussions about different ideas. The Central Park, Forsyth Park is always full of people, you know, playing Frisbee, playing soccer. Um, just where we live, we live down the end of Forsyth Park and there's uh, a great health food shop and a great place called the Sentient Bean, which is like a vegetarian cafe. I mean, our house, the, the apartment that we've got costs us uh, $1,300 a month, which is basically the same price we were paying for a studio in Los Angeles. But this place, I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. It is, if you look down the hallway from one end of the house to the other, it's literally the size of half a football pitch. <laughs> like, it's absolutely fantastic. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a three-bedroom three Victorian, right? Three-bedroom Victorian ground floor. So we have the whole, the kind of whole ground floor of that Victorian. So it's, it's just, I mean, it's, it's just, the quality of life is very, very good. Um, you get way more for your money. Um, it's, it's essentially a tourist-style location, so it's prettier than most places. So there's a lot of tourists coming through as well. So there's lots of, um, just incredibly vibrant, really. Now, I'd ask you to take some photos and post it on the show. Have you done that? Have you taken any photos? I haven't yet. I, but, the, but the one thing that I would say is a lot of people say, oh, yeah, 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 but let's, let's talk in August, right? September, August. Cause, Why? Because apparently this now is the great weather. This is like the best time to be here where it's spring. But apparently when the weather turns over and then it becomes very, very humid and very hot. So it, rain, it kind of becomes like a temperate climate where it will rain and then that, the heat will just bring the rain up and it'll have like 100% humidity. Right, I see. So that's what we've got that we, to look forward to that we haven't experienced yet. But so far, it's been incredible. But you're have, well, just the fact that you can have the kind of place you have and in in live in the area that you're living 
$1,300 a month is amazing. I mean, that is a huge selling point right there. I mean, because, right, Savannah's a cool place. I mean, it's not like you're living in some just random, you know, you know, remote area that you can live cheaply. Obviously, you can move out to the middle of nowhere and live cheaply. If you live in a cool area that has some culture and, uh, and things to do and just a lot of energy. But, you know, that's about a third. I think if you were in Pasadena, particularly right near old Pasadena where we live, you would probably pay, I would imagine, at least three times that. You'd probably pay close to $4,000 a month for what you're doing. Yeah, for, 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 for this big size place, definitely. Yeah, so, so that's a huge win because when you, when you can live that inexpensively, um, it just gives you a lot more freedom and it removes the stress so that you have more flexibility to do something like a startup or any kind of project that you want to do. You're not like, oh, because you're paying $4,000 a month just to like on your mortgage or yeah. your rent. I mean, it really makes you feel like, you know, you have such a limited runway to get something working. Otherwise you're screwed because you, you got to make more money because you, you run, you burn, burn through your uh, savings really quickly. You also have, um, I mean, just to keep on going on about it, but you also have in the downtown area, it has exact, I mean, it's like Pasadena. I mean, it just has those same shops, you know, it has like a gap, banana Republic, all, all that stuff. Like there's no difference. Um, so this, but, but I mean, even more than that, you have like the cool cafes and the cool restaurants and the yeah, character. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I the, the character yeah. and the vibrance. And you've got like English pubs. And you, this is even cool. Although, I, you know, this doesn't affect me now that I can't drink. But you ha- they have an open container law where you can actually walk down the street with a beer, right? So, you, so they have outside patios where, where people can drink beer. So it's kind of like Ireland and Europe in that way. Is, um, now, you said you live at the end of Forsyth Park. Is... I, th- I mean, I think that's a pretty famous park, right? I mean, you know the movie Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil? Yeah, that that, was that's the park, in- yeah. And is that, they show, they show that park quite a bit, right? They do, yeah, yeah. So that, that's the park. That's, that's exactly where I am. Just, just like three, three or four blocks away from there. Well, my brother lives in Savannah. I was just there in December um, when my, my mother fell ill, and we, I were there yeah. for a few days. So I can, uh, I, I, know, I know exactly where... You're, what you're talking about actually so that's cool well I'm, but you still okay so you have a bed you bought a bed you bought a cheap desk and you have nothing we, no, else we, we didn't place. buy a cheap well i we bought a we bought a bed right we got an absolutely top quality bed like probably the most expensive bed that you can get so that so that was our key piece of furniture so we're sleeping fantastically right okay. <laughs> then we got a desk for like 25 dollars but that, that, but Georgia couldn't bear that, so she ended up going out and buying a really nice desk, which is she's going to put in one of the bedrooms. So we're using that desk now. That's in the front of the house. So we're in this, we're in the front of this Victorian house, just next to the porch. The windows are open. Uh, we can look out the windows and see the students strolling by and people walking their dogs going past. So that's where we are right now. We're actually going to make this whole front front room into our office. So we're going to have like a an office that we're going to use every day. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, it's right. very nice. Well, I want some photos, man. Take, just take some photos of your iPhone and put them up on well, there's, the... Well, uh... there's no point yet. The reason why we can't do... We shouldn't do the photos oh, is because we've got no that. furniture. Because we, we're... Who wait, cares? Those we guys. Did I tell you about the ripoff that we had for the phone? Did I, did I say that on the show? Yeah, yeah. Let's, well, let's, let's move on because okay. I think that... But I think you want to show some... I know because I know it's like... Was Georgie the one who doesn't want you to take pictures? Uh, no, I, I think it's me. Are you? I don't want to take okay. pictures because it, otherwise it just looks like an empty room. I mean, that's, well, that's fine. We want to see in progress. <laughs> okay. like, yeah, like here are the latest photos. We want to see before and right. after. It's much better when you see before and after. All right. I think it's hilarious that we just see like the, the, the one desk in a room. Okay. <laughs> I think that's... All right. Okay. Moving on. So, so let's talk about any food for a bit. 
All right. Go on. Well. Start it up. We have had a, I think we've had five Anyfoo sessions now. Would it be five? No. Um, uh, In total, no. I mean, including the, the non-paid one. Okay, we've had, uh, the fourth one is going to happen on Tuesday. Three, of, three have, been, um, have already occurred and been paid. But, but um, there was a fourth that wasn't paid. Yeah, so the fourth, the fourth, um, the Inifu se- the, the, the session that wasn't, and we can talk about that, it's a whole other story. Yeah. And then the, um, there's, a, there's a one that's scheduled for Tuesday with Lance Jones. So, so in, in my estimation, that's five Inifu sessions. Okay. Which okay. is not bad consider- considering we haven't launched, we haven't even, pri- I, I mean, would you say, would you consider us private launch? <laughs> I don't even know what we are. I think we're, we're still we're building. Just- it's just like it's under construction. The way I th- the way I feel like it's like you know when you're like someone's opening up like a store and they're like moving the inventory and people put, someone puts their head in it's like hey I want to buy that sweater you're just pulling yeah, out of a box right. you're like well I don't even have a cash register like I'll give you fifty bucks you're like all right fine okay <laughs> give me the money I'll write it down a piece of paper that's kind of where we are it's yeah. like we don't have a terms of service or a privacy policy up yet we don't have um, a lot of information I mean it's it's pretty raw in a lot of ways right. um, but I think it's um, you know, yeah, you come to the site, you can reserve a session with the, you know, six or eight or however many well, experts. We have a homepage now. We have a homepage, which we didn't before. Yeah. So and, you, and, you can go to yeah, anyfood.com and, and, and see our homepage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, like I said, even the home, everything is still pretty raw. I don't think it's not, nothing's really polished yet. And, oh, yeah. Um, and I mean, a lot of things are just missing. Like, you know, people, we've had a couple of our clients are, have said, well, how can I go in and like look at my sessions? I'm like, yeah, I've really got that up yet. <laughs> just call like, us need- up and just ask us, and we'll look in the database. We'll listen in the database, and then we'll just talk it to you. <laughs> yeah, just a few days away. Like one guy, it's like, hey, I, what if I need to reschedule a session? I'm like, yeah, that's coming. <laughs> that's coming. Another couple of weeks. Right. So, but what's what's really important, I guess, is I, I get no, it's not. I guess I know it's important is is getting people using it, even if it's sort of not really there that where we want it. It's missing just sort of almost obvious functionality that it's still usable. People are still finding a lot of value in it and uh, it works and we're getting really good feedback on things, which the feedback more than anything is just confirmation that things that we thought were true are true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not so much like, oh, you guys should do this. And we're like, oh, wow, we need to totally pivot. We're in the wrong area. It's no, we're doing it. Almost exactly, precisely what these people, what these, what our clients and experts want. The things that we thought were true seem to be true, and the, the features that we thought we need to be built need to be built. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's only been a couple of very small things. We're like, you know, I hadn't really thought about that, but that's a good point. Which is like, one was the custom NDA. I don't recall us ever, at least talking about no, that. No, we outline. didn't. We didn't consider it. No, and that was like one of the only things that I can think of. Um, that never occurred to us that um, Jeff brought up and said, you guys probably want to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So the, I mean, you've been doing a lot of the, it, it's weird the way that the work uh, split is working out is I'm sort of doing the bells and the whistles, like the, the widgets and the things like that. I'm also doing the end, the custom NDA signing system. And you're basically just building the, doing the grunt work basically. Well, I'm building the, I'm building sort of the, it's, it's like I'm building the house, I'm doing the framing and stuff. And I'm like, you're putting in the kitchen. Right. (laughs) 
like, okay, put in a, I'm like, Justin, put in a cool kitchen. We want it to be tricked out. It's got to be, you know, top end granite. And you're like, all right, I'll do it. You know? So and then I come in and I'll go, Hey, I think, I think we need darker cabinets. You're like, all right, fine. <laughs> right. But that's, that's a, like, it, but the thing is that because I'm doing the framing, you're like, Hey, let me help with the framing. I'm like, I got the framing. I, we don't need two of us doing the framing. And so I'm like, you, you know, I think it's been really, it's better when you go off and have these specialized components that you can build and focus in on that can add a lot of value. And that's kind of worked out. Uh, that's at least in terms of writing code, that's what we split. So I was tasked to go off and uh, find a way of, to find a good API to do this whole um, NDA thing. So, so what we would like on AnyFoo is for clients to be able to upload an NDA onto AnyFoo and then for experts to be able to sign that NDA via Enfu, Enfu. So we went and had a, good, had a good look. Well, I went and had a good look around um, different services and spoke to some of those services on the phone. And turns out that it would be possible for us to use those services, but they don't really have our use case in mind. Like the, generally speaking, those services, the use case they have in mind is that they charge by the senders. So it's how many people are, are in your account are sending. So person A, person B, is sending this document to other people to sign. And it would, you know, for most of these services, it would cost us thousands of dollars a month for the, for the AnyFoo model because we, we need the capability for thousands of people to be able to send these documents. So what we kind of realized was, and this was after a little bit of back and forth uh, with myself, Jason, about should we build this in-house? And my first gut reaction was, well, it just sounds like it's going to be really complicated. No, you're, you're, it was stronger than that. You're like, no, I'm not building that. That's going to be really hard. I'm not doing that. <laughs> All right, fair enough. But then we, we had a discussion. We broke it down to smaller parts. And, you know, as, as we were going through the smaller parts, I was thinking, okay, well, you know, fair enough, that part, I could probably do it this way, you know, like the part of capturing the signature, the part of displaying the PDF. So, one one thing we wanted to do is like when someone uploads a PDF, we need to display that PDF to someone so that they can write their signature on it. So we found a, a JavaScript library, but the problem with the JavaScript library is it only works on HTML5 browsers. It's actually an awesome library. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, PDF.js. PDF.js, yeah, that's a sensible name. So it, it is awesome. I mean, it basically just loads in a PDF file and displays it perfectly in JavaScript. But um, ultimately, I think what we decided to do is to use well, actually, we, it was going to be to use PHP uh, to pull in the PDF, convert it to an image, display the image on screen, and then we'll just use standard JavaScript to track the mouse coordinates and ba- basically allow someone to enter their signature. But, well, it was going to be, um, it was making, use PHP making calls to ImageMagick and GhostScript, right? Problem is, is that ImageMagick doesn't render, render the fonts very well. However... We have found software on Windows that, that does a great job of it, the command line software on Windows. So what we think we're going to do is create a Windows-based web service that you can post a PDF to, and then it's going to get queued up, converted by that command line tool to an awesome image. Then that image is going to be pulled back from the queue, and then my code is going to display that on the site, and then you're going to be able to write your signature in some really nice signature font, move it around the screen with the cursor, and stamp it onto the place that you want. And there's, uh, there's, there's all sorts of legal reasons why it is legal, like, for example, um, stamping uh, an, uh, an ID onto the whole uh, PDF and then rewriting that PDF with the ID. You store, the, you store the PDF in the AnyFoo system, and that basically makes it legally binding. Yeah, and, and you know, there's a lot of different services like EchoSign and DocuSign, and, and, and they all do it in different ways. Some of it will allow you 
you you just type your name and it and you select the the this the sort of handwriting font you want to use. Yeah. Some allow you to, to sort of draw it like with your mouse or something, which and another is I think there are other ways you just type your name in or oh, and the other one is you can like take a photograph or an image of your of your uh, scan, your signature, and then yeah. you can just save that and then paste that. So I don't know. I don't know which one. We'll probably do the font one to start. But the the thing was is that you know we were talking about using these services. I mean, obviously the sort of pragmatic way is like, well, we'll just use DocuSign or whatever, and we don't have that many users in the beginning anyway. So even if it's kind of expensive at any kind of scale, it's um, it'll work when we're starting out. But the problem was is that they all bounced us off the site, and and it was sort of it became this sort of clunky experience. And my feeling what i was trying to stress we're talking about it's like i we really want all of this stuff to be fully integrated and if we want the interview experience to be really streamlined really simple and um so that we're really adding all the value we can in 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 making this process efficient so we had we had the discussion and you felt that it was worth you know if it was going to take two weeks development even though this was kind of like a fringe case that's probably going to be used by i don't know 10 to 20 percent of our customers you felt because it was it would it would make the magicalness of any foo stand out so much that it would increase kind of word of mouth to actually put in that two two weeks go for that and go for that hardcore reinventing re, it's, it, i guess it is a reinventing of the wheel rather than send people off site yeah well my thought is this is that um you know you you don't want to build stuff if it's not core to your product but if something is really core to your product um, you want to control the experience. And yeah, if we could pay $100 a month or something and have a fully integrated, customized document signing service, I, I would be, let's do it. But we couldn't. It, it doesn't exist. And it was going to be clunky. It was going to pop us off-site. And it was going to make it more complicated because you're off-site and you're going through this multi-step process. And um, even when you and I were trying to, we were using that to sign the LLC, we were, there was a little bit of confusion there. You were like, well, well, what are you looking at? Or what page are you on? And I'm like, well, just... Right. I mean, it was problematic. This is the other point is I, I actually don't believe that anyone's going to build a system like that as from a UI point of view, as cool as we're going to make it because you know, the pretty much every other UI thing that we've created is pretty awesome. Although I say so myself, um, the, the, (laughs) the scheduling widget is very, very cool. Um, and the, the expert expertise editing, which is very cool. I mean, I've, I haven't seen anything better than those on the web. I mean, maybe that's, I shouldn't be saying that, but that's how I feel. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, as a, you, you, you want to sh- you want to aspire to those things. You want to try to make those things really great because they're sort of central to the product. So I, I'm, we'll, we'll find out over time. We know we need the custom NDA stuff. Any company, any of the larger companies that use us, and I don't mean that like we sign some big contract with IBM, but any any sort of team lead or CTO or something of 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 a, of a company that has a custom NDA that that they're required to have any consultant sign is going to insist that that they use it. Otherwise they're not going to be able to use any food or they're going to be very hesitant to use it. Right. Yeah. So, and, and Jeff, had, Jeff who had, uh, is, who's been a client twice already said, you know, if he was still at Wells Fargo, that he, they would not be able to use any food if, if they couldn't, if they couldn't use the custom NDA, it just happens that he's a really small startup that is a little more flexible. So I think, yeah, yeah. Are we, are we building something without complete evidence that a lot of people you know, asking for it? No, but I'm pretty confident that this is a key component. And I am I'm confident that having something fully integrated and being simple is, is going to add a lot of value. And uh, plus, it's like, 
I'm building the the sort of like the framework. I mean, the sort of the just like you said, the grunt work or whatever. So you working on this isn't holding any of that back, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's just like yeah, pe- people well could off. could do it if they needed to because you know we're we're giving them the, the email addresses, so they could basically go off to DocuSign and and do it. So we're we're not yeah. stopping it from. It's not like a blocking thing, but it's just a nice to have. So moving on um, with any foo. Oh, I want to talk about the lean startup stuff. Alex Gemmel. Oh, go on then. Yeah. Really wanted us to talk more oh, well, about it. I wasn't saying we should move away from Anifu. I was just moving to the oh. next Anifu subject. So that's fine. Perfect. Okay. You want to talk about the lean? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. So, and, and, and so just because it segues into it. So, so this, the building of the custom NDA is a little bit of a reach. There isn't a ton of evidence for it. We haven't validated it by talking to tons of people. But the people we've talked to, we've run out a few other people who are, who are clients or experts, and they all seem to agree that, yeah, that's going to be important for us or for people I've worked with, that'd be important. So I just figure, you know, we'll, we'll work on it. But generally, in terms of the lean startup thing, I mean, I'm not a, a, a lean startup acolyte in the sense that I haven't read the book and I don't know you know, everything about it, the, what you're supposed to do. But I do believe in its core message, which is that, you know, before you go off and invest a ton of time or a ton of money on something, make sure you, you have a, you've communicated with your prospective customers about what is your building and whether they would buy it and whether they'd want to use it. And uh, we've talked about how we had some brainstorming sessions back at the last microconf and how we've definitely brought it up and talked about it with a lot of people and gotten a lot of positive feedback. And, but what, what I've done a lot of over the last few weeks is as we've been doing these sessions is I've had phone calls with every single client expert pretty much before and after every session. So like, a 15 to 20 minute phone call in every case. Mm-hmm. There might've been one. I don't think I talked to Mike Hartle, Michael Hartle before his session, but I did like a 20 minute sort of postmortem just to get a sense of like what they thought of it, how, how you know, what went well, what might've, what didn't go well, what they'd like to see added. And um, so, you know, and then of course people were sending us in a lot of cases unsolicited. They're just, they, they'll just write us a long email and say, Hey, here are my thoughts. This is, this is something you might want to think about. So we've been very aggressive about communicating with people. What who is are the used- general, I mean, this, this is great. And I'm, I'm really glad that you're doing that. Um, so thanks very much. What, what is the general uh, feedback that you're getting from people? They really like it. I mean, you know, d- despite the fact that any foo is, is not complete, it's, 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 you know, it's only partially there. It's the good thing is that it can deliver value. I mean, if think if you're a client and you need help. So Jeff, when he wanted the very first session, he wanted help with Don Felker on um, ASP.NET MVC stuff. He, you know, whether he had to click a couple things or he didn't get the confirmation email that he might have thought he would expected to get or something. I mean, that was just a minor frustration. In the big scheme of things, ultimately he got to speak for an hour. Uh, with Don Felker and run a ton of stuff by him and get a lot of great information, a lot of great help. So they got the value they wanted out of it. And before any food existed, it would have been very difficult to make anything like that happen. So, and, and, and on the other side, the experts the same way. It's like, hey, man, I, you know, I just talked to someone for like an hour and I got paid a big chunk of money and it was a lot of fun. So, and before any food, I wouldn't be able to do it. So regardless of any missing, you know, functionality, um, I think you know, which they understand and they would like to see in place at some point, it's, 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 it pales in comparison ultimately what they're getting out of it. Could you imagine how much easier our life would be if we were a funded startup? Like 
because of the way that we're doing this, the bootstrapping, doing it on the side, I mean, this thing is rolling out like a snail walking down a 100-mile road. <laughs> I mean, it, the, the luxury of being funded must be incredible to just focus on your core passion as much as you want and just have nothing else to distract you. Yeah, and that's true. But they're, you know, like everything, you know, like most things, it's like um, there's two sides. There, there, there are pros and cons. So if we were raising money, it wasn't like you just presto, like you have half a million dollars in your bank account. You, we would have spent, you know, anywhere from three to nine months having meeting after meeting, talking, writing, pitching. We just spent which I which of, I like, did for which I did for uh, Mash API and basically got nowhere. Yeah, and and it was not fun. No, it's not fun. No. I mean, I don't I don't think most people find the money raising process to be uh, particularly enjoyable. I mean, they'll say, I learned some lessons and I met some interesting people and it was a challenge, but in the end it's generally a gigantic pain in the butt because you're getting grilled about stuff over and over again. You keep having the same conversations. You have to keep going back and reworking a pitch deck and writing up numbers and doing research and making up a bunch of numbers because you really don't have that much. And, and you don't get, and really what you want to be doing is building your building your product and talking to customers, but you don't get to do that because all your time is spent preparing for the next meeting or responding to yet more follow-up emails from the last person you talked to. And, you know, so when you factor all that in, we may not be any further along. We could be way behind where we are. We could be like, okay, well, we've had, you know, a dozen meetings, some things are looking promising, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you figure like we've had a couple hundred hours in the last hmm. six months would have been burnt. And- I, guess, I guess. And, and the other thing is, is, like just hands-on customer experience and just the whole kind of hardcore getting into it. We're, we're definitely much further along than we would be, but I'm just, I'm just saying, just imagine if now we could just focus on this full time. <laughs> like we would, yeah, well, we would just, be, we would just rocket along. We'd be like rockets flying, but, uh, oh, it's just, oh, I don't well, know. you know, it's, it's in, in, we're in a situation where we actually both make enough money from consulting that we can, you know, and spend some time on the side working on this. And yeah, it's a little slower paced, but um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it kind of evens out in the end. And I think ultimately, the good thing about AnyFoo is that it's a, it has a revenue model built into it. Yeah. You know, we charge 15% service fee on top of the expert's fee. So the expert gets paid the full amount. We charge 15% to a client that's just a rounding error, you know, and, uh, and we, you know, we pay out a little bit to Stripe to process the payment, and the rest goes to us. Really simple. It scales. Well, we also pay message. to web, Webmaster Checks, so that's that's the other thing. No, we pay a little bit of Webmaster Checks, but anyway, the, the revenue model is simple, right? We don't have to like. It's not like we're trying to build something. We need to take investment because we're going to have to build something for two or three years before we have enough scale that it has any reven- any way to re- to generate revenue, which is ultimately by selling eyeballs. Mm-hmm. People are people are paying for the service they're using as they're using it. The revenue model is built in. It's really, really simple. And so it's something that you can bootstrap or a lot of these things would be very difficult to bootstrap because you have to plow a ton of, of time and money into building that thing up before it even makes a dime. So, so we had one other quick thing to talk about. It was, um, the, the thing about expert versus mavens. Okay. So, um, yeah, so we got some feedback from Mike Barton. He's the lead Android, uh, engineer over at Groupon. Right, and uh, Don Felker is working on a, uh, a project with him. Don Felker is an Android expert, and um, Don had uh, pinged me on uh, Skype or something, and he said, "Hey, do you have? You know, we need we need to get somebody on here to help us with this um, this uh, open source library called uh, Roboelectric. I think it's some kind of testing framework for Android." And 
the way I understood it is that Don and Mike had already burnt a ton of hours trying to figure out something about the library that they could get working. And they had sort of gone into the code and torn it apart and they were just kind of running a brick wall. And they're like, we really, really just need to get one of these core contributors to this, to this project and get them on any food for an hour. And as it turned out, um, they were able to get him on, but it was kind of a last minute thing. Like, you know, we're going to talk to the guy at six. Can we get him a create him account? And it was like five thirty, And so I manually created the guy account and I emailed him and I said, Hey, here, you know, here's your uh, account. And you know, you just set your rate or whatever. And the way it happened though, is that Mike group, the group, Mike works out of the group on office in, uh, in San Francisco. So he just walked over to the Pivotal, Pivotal Labs, which is where this guy worked. His name's Tyler. So the, so the guy works at Pivotal Labs, but he also is a contributor to open source software of, what is it, Robo something? Robo Electric? Robo Electric. So he's a full-time employee yeah. uh, the consulting firm called Pivotal Labs. And so Mike came over to his office and sat in there. And, and the reason I know this is because I was on some projection screen <laughs> video <laughs> conference with, with Tyler helping him set up his account when Mike walked in the room and then Don was kind of waiting to get on with them. And I was just trying to make sure that the session was set up, you know, his account was set up so that they could, you know, process the session. And at the end of it, Mike, um, I'm not sorry, uh, Tyler was like, he, he decided he just didn't want to charge for it. Yeah. And, because, yeah. And I'll explain the reason why, and then you can go on to what okay. Mike, Mike's interpretation of it was. I mean, essentially, he was still at the, uh, at the Pivotal Labs premises, right? It was a, his open source library that he had been working on. He's full-time employed there. And Mike, and Mike and, and, you know, just kind of showed up his office. So I can see if you're sitting there working and a guy just walks into your office and gets some help from you on something you've built, um, I could see it would be kind of awkward, like, okay, now pay me some money. Right? The guy's there in person. Yeah. That can be awkward. And I don't think that was something that Mike explained in the email. And I could see if I was that person that, you know, I might be like, oh, I don't know, I guess you don't have to pay me or, or whatever. Yeah, and, because, because your pivotal labs, you know, all the other people who work there will be around you and it's going to be very uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, they were actually in a separate room. So that, I don't think that was a factor. And his, his boss had already given him permission. He says, look, if this is on your own time, you can do any food, I don't care. Um, but um, I just think because, I think maybe because Mike was right there, he, maybe that made him feel a little more like, hey, we're, you know, we'll just be, this will just be a friendly thing. And the way Mike described in his email, and maybe get more into it, is he said it was more, this is more of a transaction in the gift economy as opposed to the transactional economy. Yeah, so he's so the, um, the email that Michael wrote, Mike Burton wrote to us, was talking about the two different types of uh, people who we could have on any food. One would be an expert, uh, sorry, a consultant, someone like uh, Don Felker. So Don Don Felker's like a hardcore consultant. You know that guy's a consultant, and he he charges for his his hours, and that's the way it works. But there's a lot of people out there who can help you who are basically core contributors to open source, and you know that it. They're, they're not really doing the whole thing for money, right? That's not their kind of core motivator. So he, he calls them mavens versus experts. And I think this is a really good way of putting it. And I've, I've been having an issue. I've been trying to get this sugar CRM guy to sign up with Anyfu and to work, to work with me. And he, he's, he's like, oh, yeah, I think it's a really interesting idea. I really like it. But, you know, I don't, I don't really care about the money, you know. So how do we get these people who we, who we need these kind of people? How do we get well, them? Well, okay. I, you know, I, I think that um, if some people are going to help you for free, then they can help you for free. You know, there's no point in using any foo if someone just wants to help you for free. Now, the reason that you ultimately want to pay 
people for their time is that there's only so much that you can ask of somebody who's not a real close personal friend without paying them. In fact, there's only even only so much, there's even so much you can ask a personal friend before you like, you know, yeah, you're taking advantage of them. And, and it's like, you know, that's why Mike, Mike and Don were trying to convince Tyler, like, let us pay you. Right. And um, Tyler's still demurred, but you know, if, 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 if you called some, like, let's say you work with a CRM guy and you, you know, it's fine. He might be thinking you need 15, 20 minutes of help or half hour. But if you said, Hey, I need like two hours of help. I mean, he's going to be like, geez, you know, I got other stuff I got to do. And you don't want to be tiptoeing around. Oh, can we work some more? Can I get some more help with you? And if you needed another follow-up session, you want to be like, Oh, geez, can he even help me in the email? And he may, he may think that he's fine to, he, he may think that he's, he's fine with helping you, but it really is a limited amount. And it's stressful to the client knowing that you have this really limited constraint built in of like how much you can ask this person. If you just pay them and say, Hey, how much can I pay you? You know, is it 200 bucks an hour, 300 bucks an hour, whatever. And if they're happy with that, then I, then, you know, you can, you know, within reason, of course, you can pretty much schedule as many hours as you want and you don't have to feel bad about it. And you know that you're not gonna be stressed about like, getting more help from them. And then the, the expert, you're not going to feel like obligated, like, oh, geez, I helped this guy for 20, 30 minutes. It was no big deal. But I keep getting requests for more help. And now I'm stressed about it. And I'm kind of stuck in this weird situation where now I'm going to feel guilty if I don't help him. But I really don't want to spend all this time because I got other responsibilities. So basically, I think the concept is, and we, we've discussed this as well, but what, what Mike's sort of saying is, is that you, can, you could go to any foo and you could hire an as someone who wasn't on the system. So basically it's like PayPal where you say pay anyone, but on any food, there's a, there's a page that's hire anyone and you just type in their email address and you schedule a session with them. And you kind of say, you know, here's a couple of hundred bucks for your beer fund or for your favorite charity or whatever. And they just type in a message of what they're looking for and it just click a button and it sends this information to that expert. And then that person then has a choice. Okay, well, maybe, you know, I, I would, would like to help you out or no. What do you think? I mean, that's, that's pretty much what he's been saying, right? Yeah, no, here's the thing. I mean, I don't want to trivialize Anifu and be like beer fund kind of stuff and be kind of, I mean, one thing about Anifu is that we're, it's, it's really about the elite, right? The elite mm-hmm. experts, especially the people we list. And the reason that that's important is that um, when you, if you come to Anifu and you look for an expert, you don't have to worry like, is this person any good? Do they know their stuff? You want to be able to come and you know that any person we have listed in the category is awesome at that and they will be able to help you and answer all your questions. And that if they give you advice on something, that's the right advice um, or damn near close to the, the, the best advice you're going to get on it. Um, but what you don't want to do is go there and have like, well, gee, there's like a bunch, there's like, oh, there's 25 people who are Rails people and they who knows how good some of these people are. They say they're good or well, but this these people aren't even on the site. So basically, I understand. Yeah. I understand. I understand. So let me, let me just finish this though. So quality is a huge value add for us. It's the curation of quality. There is, you come to any foo, there's no time wasted and there's no uncertainty about whether you're going to get value from any foo. Right. So it, what that means, we have to be very careful. However, we bring other people onto the system and whatever capacity that they are, high caliber people. Now, if you go and this could work if we if we allow someone to hire a third party through the site who we haven't approved and they're not listed on our site. So they send an email to some random person and says, "Hey, I want to hire you for a couple hours. I need help. Here's I'll be willing to pay you, you know, $200 an hour or name your rate." And if so, then please just that gives them one one or two simple short forms to fill out. 
their, their tax information or their, um, you know, basic contact information. Maybe we could do that. I mean, that might be possible, but what we don't want to do is we don't want to say, well, just because someone is registered and done a session that they're a listed approved expert on any But do you think that that's a good idea and a good, a good approach and a good strategy for us to do? I mean, because there, there is this whole class of people who essentially we're probably not going to get access to unless we do something like that. No, I, first of all, I think that's jumping. The, I think that there, there will be certain people who any food won't be a fit. And any food is not going to be a fit for a lot of people in a lot of situations. That's fine. You know, ultimately, when you, do a pro, you create a product or service, you, you pick out your demographic. Who are we hitting? And why are we hitting them? We're, 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 we're going to the high end. We're going after quality. And that's, that's what we're going to do. So now, maybe it would we, be a mistake to even try and do anything separate then. Just, just stick to the, full, the core mission. Stick to the mission. I think we should stick to the mission for now. I don't, I don't think we should really worry about that. If there are people it's not a fit for it, don't worry about trying to, you know, um, jerry-rig it so that it, it works for these sort of secondary or tertiary markets. Hit the primary market, focus on it, make it awesome. Um, I mean, and I think, I think there will be people who we can find in almost any technology who are going to be, who are, experts who are acknowledged experts in the fact that either they were their core contributor, they spoke at conferences on it, they wrote books on it, whatever, who will be willing to um, be hired by the hour in charge for it. We just have to look pretty hard. I mean, I've, I've been looking very hard in the sugar CRM space and haven't found anyone who would do it. Um, but uh, hey, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll find it one day. I, mean, I, don't, thing- think, I don't think sugar CRM is in the big scheme of things, a huge market compared to these other ones. No, but no, but it's, it's, it's a good representative of the kind of niche, niche things that has a huge amount of money. Um, in the, the sugar CRM market's massive. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of money in that market and mm-hmm. there's, there's lots of, uh, different bits of software and different small subsets of technologies that we should be catering to and that should be on the system. So if something as big as sugar CRM is really, really difficult, then, that just raises flags for me. Not that we couldn't, we can't get it done, but it just—it's like, yeah, yeah. That—that's a hard problem that we need to work out how to solve to get things like that on board. I, I think that um, I think that's something we can worry about later. I think let's get all the major technologies on, all the major libraries. I mean, we don't have an iOS to, iOS developer. We don't have a jQuery mobile. Yeah, yeah. We, we, don't, we go for the eighty twenty thing. Yeah, we get. You know, we're going to be fully occupied with doing that for the next six months to a year, and. When any foo, if we if we are able to get a couple hundred or more top notch A flight experts and all the major and even sub technologies, that will start pulling in other people because like like um, here's what it worked with um, with Don. I mean, he, Don Felker. He he's he just told a couple of his friends. He's like, hey man, yeah, you should get any foo. I just made two hundred fifty dollars in, in an hour just talking, didn't deliver a line of code, and all of a sudden like three of his friends are like, dude, I want to be on there. But let and me. These Books. Let me just explain one thing. The very reason Anyfo exists is because of the issues that I've had trying to hire these kind of people. And in every single circumstance, it was this kind of a product. So the first time was Flex, Cangorn. The second time was Cake, PHP. Third time was Sugar CRM. It was never iOS or some big technology. It was always something like the kind of technology I'm talking about. So that's the reason why I'm saying... Actually, it is an important issue, and it's something we need to 
work out how to deal with in the fullness of time. Well, I don't, I honestly, I think, <clears throat> I think we don't have to worry about it till later. Here's my thought. I don't think we have to worry about it till later. And I think we will be able to get those people. I think you have, you've had trouble with a couple of people. I think we can get those people. I think we can get, you know, I, I don't see that's going to be a problem. I've had, Everyone I've had communicated with, I have had no problem getting them excited about it. <laughs> well, so everyone I've communicated with, I've had lots of problems getting them excited about it. But that's okay. And well, I mean, you're I, only talking to one topic. I mean, yeah, maybe you're talking. No, I, to I know that you. I know that your strategy. I understand your long-term strategy, and I think it's a good one. So basically, we'll go for the eighty-twenty rule. We'll get the the consciousness of any boo embedded in the marketplace, so that people want to be part of it. And then when we revisit those smaller technologies, um, we will hopefully have more success. Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. Okay. You know, we, it's just important that we don't get too distracted. And that happens to a lot of startups. They, they get distracted and they, get, they start running all over the place and trying to solve every little problem for every little, you know, you know sub-market. And, and, the, and, their, and their core product and their core offering kind of suffers as a result. And if we just focus on what, what we set out to do and what we're trying to do and, then, and what we can do really well, what's going to work. I mean, we're making money. Right. right. Exactly. People are using it. They <laughs> love it. I mean, we've read, we've, I mean, Jeff has written a blog post. He wrote a Google Plus post about it. Um, so Don has been, he was an expert and then he went on a bit of client hired, um, and hired Michael Hartle and then for, to, for help with Rails, which he liked, which was really helpful to him. And then uh, Jeff has hired, uh, he hired Don and then he went off and he hired Alex McCaw for help with Backbone. So people are reusing it, right? All right, so that's really, but uh, you know, I, one thing we didn't talk about, I thought it was a couple of funny stories. Was um, I don't know if it was uh, Michael Hartle. Uh, so Don, I'm gonna tell this one, one, <laughs> one, one sort of benefit. So, so Don pinged me uh, last week, week and a half ago, and he's like, "Do you have anyone on on any food who, who's a Rails expert?" And I said, "Well, yeah, we got like the guy who wrote Rails tutorial, Michael Hartle. He's awesome." And I said, "Buddy, he's like three hundred dollars an hour. He's a little on the expensive side. I have another person who might be a little is a little less expensive. Who, you know, I don't know. I, I whose profile isn't done. I could get on him about getting it done. And and um and it, and the reason I said that is because I felt that Michael had created his profile." partially as a favor to me. Like he was, he was really busy with doing screencasts and getting um, Rails Tutorial 2 out the door. And uh, so, but, but as it turned out, Don was like, like, I don't get $300 an hour. I, I, that's fine. That's, so so you think thing. Michael set the $300 price point so he wouldn't get work? Kind of. We set a high. He's like, look, I, I, don't, I don't really have much time for yeah. anything other than what I'm doing. He's like, but if, if they do hire me, they're going to have to pay for it. Right, they're gonna have to pay a a, a a serious premium, and but it was funny because so Don's an independent contractor. He's not a big company, and he's working on a project. I think this is this is like a social gaming project. He's working on with a few other people, and when he when I told him three hundred dollars an hour, he didn't it, he didn't blanch. He was like he was like, look, I've already burnt like three or four hours on this. I have like you know five Rails books open. I'm just I'm so frustrated. He's like, just I just want to talk to him, and so. You know, they did the session, and afterwards, I talked to Don about it, and he's like, yeah, it was amazing. He's like, yeah, it was just, it was really, really helpful, and just got me everything I needed, and uh, I feel it was just amazing how, how much it, uh, it helped him. Helped <laughs> get rid of the stress, got him on the right path, got him over the hump, being confident of doing, of, that he's doing things the way he should be doing them, and, and, and then, of course, um, Michael said, hey, you know, if you have any problems with this and this, look at chapter six and seven of Rails tutorial and you can skip this other stuff and it'll answer your questions. And of course, then when Don went to it, it was like perfect. And so it was a big, it was a big, big win. So even $300 an hour for someone who was an independent consultant turned out in the end to have 
many multiples of value to that to him in terms of save time. Now you mentioned that that was a funny story. It, yeah, we, and then well, Michael. What was funny for Michael is is I had him. I talked to him after, and I said, "So you know, what do you think?" And and I said, "You did this for a favor, right? You weren't really expecting to get a session." He's like, "Yeah, kinda." He's like, "But three hundred dollars? I noticed three hundred dollars." He's like, "I was going to Vegas. Like that's you know, yeah, three hundred dollars. I'll yeah, I'll take that. That's good." So you know, and he said, "Yeah, it was easy. It was like it was fun. Just you know, they did a little screen share on uh, TeamView or Skype or something, and um, it worked." So I just thought it was funny that that you know, Michael had put it up as kind of as a favor, not expecting something. And then it, then it did happen. And, and of course he was happy it did. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. So, um, I don't know. I mean, but the fact that I've been talking to all these guys back and forth, like I talked to Alex yesterday after his session with Jeff. And again, he was like really excited about it. He's like, yeah, this is great. I'd love to get a lot more is sessions. Is his profile done now? Alex McCool. Um, it's, it's up. I, I, I talked to him about some things I th- I'd like to have him change. I mean, actually, I need to send an email to almost all our experts, and I have like at least a half dozen edits for everybody of ways I think they can make their profile a little sharper, you know, filled out in certain places, trimmed yeah. down in certain places. But um, so, you know, everybody kind of puts something up. Some are a little more complete than others. Most of them are, are, are at the very least decent. But we really want these profiles to 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 shine and to really. Um, I guess it's also worth saying if I mean if you are like an expert who who is either published or has some I don't know some kind of web tutorial system or you've done screencasts or something like that and you really understand a space I mean you you know you're an expert in a specific technology just this is the time to get in touch with us like we we we're ready to go you know we want you on Anyfoo. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like an infomercial. Yes. <laughs> we want you on any food. Yeah. All right. We have to stop talking about this now. All right. Moving that's, on. That's, that's too much. much. Yeah, we, we could talk about other stuff, but we, yeah, we can move on. Yeah. Well, what else is there? Oh, I don't know. We did the, uh, we did the LLC contract. Well, that's okay. I mean, LLC contract. Fair enough. We can talk about that. So, yeah, what was it last, not this past week, the weekend before, um, I, I took it upon myself to sort of draft our LLC agreement. It was kind of, because I've had like four or five LLCs. So I have a lot of LLC agreements that I, I could use as sort of templates. And, you know, I kind of have a pretty good sense of how they're supposed to work and what they're supposed to, um, what, what they're supposed to articulate. And what was interesting is that um, you kind of have, and for people who don't know, an LLC, limited liability company, is kind of a hybrid between a corporation and a partnership. In that you don't have official shares issued like in a corporation, you have percentages, just like in a like a partnership. But unlike a partnership, you have um, limited liability. So a partnership, individuals can be sued. They could come out for you know if if, if someone was suing the partnership, they could sue and, and you could lose your house or your savings or whatever. So basically, right? it's it's they call it an entity without a soul. <laughs> entity without a soul. That's what that's, 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 that's what that's, they are. Yeah. Well, that's the, I was speaking to someone about it. I can't remember who, but he, he was. He was saying that basically those kind of businesses are considered entities, like a person is an entity, but they're considered an entity yeah. without a soul. That's right. Right. Yeah. You, whenever you speak of a company, you always talk about in the plural. You'll say Google have. <laughs> is that an English thing or is that a Justin thing? Maybe it's a Justin I thing. I don't know. It might be an English thing. All right. So anyway, um, the, the thing about the LLC is that you have, um, you have live, you know, limited liability, but you also have single pass-through taxation, so you don't, the t- corporation doesn't get taxed. And corporations, the corporation gets taxed, at least if it's a C-corp, the corporation gets taxed, and then you know the dividends or whatever get paid to, or salaries get paid to the individuals, and then you pay taxes on that. For an LLC, 
you know, you, you and I each own 50% of Inifu. Whatever profits get funneled to us, we just pay that on our own personal, our own personal tax rates. It has, right. The corporation doesn't pay taxes. So that's a real benefit of it. So um, I was looking at, I was trying to find a template. I wanted to write something fairly simple. I mean, it's just, we, we have a completely symmetric equal ownership. It's not like one of us is putting in money and has to be protected because of that. It's not like one of us is like owns the majority and has to manage, have all these sort of provisions, you know, ensuring that. Well, I like it because it means if you put in anything that screws you, screws me, you put, you put the same thing in that screws you. It's kind of like that. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, okay, we can't figure out like which piece of the cake, who gets the bigger piece. Like one person cuts it and the other person takes the other half, <laughs> takes whichever piece they want. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what you do with kids. Um, so I think that for us, it, it, it was, you know, it was okay to do something simple. And, um, and luckily I've, I've done this a few times already. So it wasn't that big a deal. It wasn't like I came in, I was a complete noob and I was like, I don't I have no idea what this is, uh, how I should do this. But so if an LLC agreement, you have essentially two, you can almost think of like a matrix. So you have, you have either member managed or manager managed. So you can have an LLC where there's a they sort of a, an elected manager. So you could have some passive people. You could have 30 or 50 people who are, they have ownership in it, but they're not the manager of the LLC, mm-hmm. right? Kind of, and then, but you have the manager of the LLC, and they kind of dictate what happens. They, they're sort of like the CEO or whatever. And the other people may not be involved. They, maybe those 30 people just put in money. They could be just passive investors, or only they're only partially involved. Um, but then, and then you also that so you have you have that difference: member managed and manager managed. And then you have a difference between capital, uh, where a company where it's basically about capital put in. So it's like you know, let's say you and I each put in ten thousand dollars, or I put in ten thousand, you put in five thousand, another guy put in three, another person put in two, and so our ownership is really tied to how much money we put into the LLC. Mm-hmm. That's what's really driving the ownership uh, of, of, the, uh, of it. And so we have a lot of provisions that are really built around that capital. Well, your capital counts is this, and then your ownership is this. Therefore, you're due these distributions, and distributions can't be paid to these other people for this, and blah, blah, blah. So you can think of it as a matrix. Capital are non-capital based. Manager are member managed. And so if you look at a template, you look at a lot of templates, you say, oh, well, this is a template for this kind. And once I kind of figured that out, and I could take out the provisions that were sort of not Based so we're manager-managed, right? We're manager no, member managed. No. We're, we're member-managed? Yeah, because you and I manage it together. It's like a partnership. Member-managed is like a partnership. Oh, oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So manager-managed is the one where it has one manager and lots of sub-owners who don't manage. Okay, I get it, get it. Right, so we're mem- membership-managed. We're 50-50. And, um, right, yeah, and you, so you basically, I mean, you cannibalized, what, I don't know, 10, 15 different documents, was it? <laughs> what did you- so what I ended up doing is I took, like, I was a little frustrated at first because I was looking at all of them and they were not all alike. And then when I realized the, the sort of differences in the structures that they were talking about and I got a better, even a better understanding, then I just sort of took one that I used for Prezo or Adaptix Technologies, actually the name of the company. I took that and then I ripped out some of the things about the member managed. And then I had a couple templates that were member managed and I was able to see how the provisions worked, simplified everything and got it cleaned up and had a nice, really nice. How much time uh, did that take? maybe 10, 20 hours, something like that range. I mean, so it was like tw- a few 20 days. hours. Would it, would it, was that worth maybe, doing uh, this versus um, <laughs> hiring a, a lawyer? No, so maybe it's maybe like 15. I don't know. It would have cost us probably, I don't know, probably $3,000, $5,000 maybe, maybe $3,000. Let's say $3,000. Plus it would have been a lot of back and forth with the attorney. 
It's not like you just go and show up and they have this magical agreement. They have to spend a lot of time asking, okay, so what are you trying to get out of the document? What do you need? And then they spend all this time drafting it and then you have to go and approve it. And it's but it's also and- less simple, isn't it? Like when you, when you go through an attorney, it's not going to be as, as clear speak as the one that you wrote. Like it wasn't, yours wasn't very legalese. It was just understandable. Yeah, it was, you know, had, had all the standard provisions and the standard articles and everything. I mean, you, you look at it and you go, yeah, this is, this is, this is, you know, an LC agreement. It's pretty standard. Um, yeah, it just, um, I just thought it was a more efficient, I, and I did it over a week and I just got it done. And we had the death clause. Can you to, to explain the, the way that the death clause works? Okay, so the death clause was that if either you or I die, that within the end of the, within the end of the month, that the living partner member will have to get a financial valuation of the company by a uh, third party agreed upon third party in the estate of the of the deceased. Like, what's the value of what's the value of any foo? Okay, so you get like a third party, so that's, uh, and that's within within thirty days of that month that they die. Yeah, I think it's I think it's basically what it says, and it basically you know you have to do it really quickly and 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 say okay this it's worth X dollars, and then. So we have five years that 20 payments are paid out at the end of every quarter um, based on that amount. So if, let's, say, let's say it was worth a million dollars. And so and let's say I died, then, the, uh, then any foo would have to pay Sandy half a million dollars, but only we've broken up the 20 payments paid out at every quarter without any interest. I think that's a good way to do it. I think it's a good way to do it. Now, um, I'm going to wait till it becomes at least worth two million before uh, I. Um, or you kick the bucket? No, before I uh, <laughs> before I murder you. <laughs> oh no! Actually, it doesn't benefit me at all, does it? That's 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 a, that's another good thing about this. It doesn't benefit you or me to kill each other. No, probably not. So, uh, but you know, it's just you said. But you have to define things like that, right? Especially since we're married and have kids. Those are the kind of things you got to think about. Yeah. You know? I mean, if we were both like 23 and weren't married. That's kind of we probably wouldn't write that into the document. You'd be like, you know, you just wouldn't think that much. Wouldn't about give it. it a second thought. Exactly. Probably not. But the other the other clause was that if one of us pulls out, like let's just say, you know, we go along and uh, you just like, dude, I'm done. I don't care about any food anymore. I, I want to spend my time on Plugio or something, right? You all you get out is what is due in your capital count for the quarter, and we get we get sort of like what's due us at the end of, let's say our distributions of profits is every quarter. Okay. Mm-hmm. And let's say you're owed, you know, $10,000, then that is paid to you. That just has to pay, be paid to you within the year. Within so there's quarter. absolutely no benefit in getting out. And, and unless it's, unless the company is, you know, totally faltering, it's not moving forward. We're only earning like $500 a month that, and, and we've been trying to build it for three years. So that's really what that clause is about. Right. Yeah, if you want to bail, you can bail, but you're just getting what's owed to you. you know, I mean, you're quitting, right? Yeah, you, so, you, you don't own any of the company after bailing. But you can sell if the other person agrees. Like if you say, hey, Jason, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to sell mine, have a buyer, you know, and I agree. That person doesn't become a member, but I'm going to sell my interest in the company for, you know, let's say it's half a million dollars. I'm like, okay, fine. You know, you can sell it as long as I agree, vice versa. Yeah, that seems... Um that seems, I mean, I think the, the whole thing seems pretty fair to me. Seems pretty good. Well, you and I do. went over all of the things. I mean, I, I basically wrote what I thought was reasonable, you know, and very sort of neutral. 
And uh, then I just said it to you, all right, we'll just read through and tell me what you think, whatever you don't like or don't like. And I, I can remember you had one or two small changes. The and main, then that- The main one was that the selling provision that you'd first, first drafted didn't give the capability for the other person to kind of veto it, which I think is, is like a valid thing. Yeah, I think uh, we there was something and it was sort of standard in like I saw like a half a dozen and, and it was sort of a standard clause that they could sell, they could assign an economic but non-voting interest yeah. without um, without the approval. I and mean, you, you didn't like that. So I was like, fine, it's okay. Oh, but you, but I, but I don't think you'd like it. <laughs> I mean, imagine if I just sold to some random person, you know? It's yeah, just, and I was fine with like, it. I, you know, sometimes you'd you don't want to be in business with just someone you've got no idea about, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's fine. I mean, it's like, uh, I, you know, it's, it's really a partnership. So it's yeah. really about really codifying you and I working together on this thing. So it should be something that you and I are both comfortable with and happy with. I, you know, and, and that was one of the few provisions in there that were just sort of like standard boilerplate that, that I didn't particularly like think really hard about. I'm like, okay, well, I guess whatever. It's sort of standard and, you know. So I just, I, I talking about contracts, I just recently signed a contract with, um, company 52 for another project that we're working on. And one of the, one of the things that put, I put in there um, that I haven't really put in any other deal that I've signed so far is anti-dilution an anti-dilution clause mm-hmm. because I've, I, you know what, that, that whole dilution thing is really, really dodgy. I mean, that's essentially what happened in the film. Well, it happened with Facebook, right? That's how they, how, how they got those guys out. They basically just, the guy Eddie something or Edward what was it? yeah what was the guy yeah but his his roommate yeah I just can't remember the, I can't remember his name but but basically yeah. they just they just increase Never. the share pool Never. right so if if there's a thousand shares in the company right what they do is they increase the share pool to a hundred thousand shares and then because they've got controlling stake they reapportion that person enough shares that they only end up with like a fraction of a percent so unless you get anti dilution clause written into your contracts they're essentially meaningless for anyone who doesn't have controlling stake. So the anti-dilution clause basically states that I will be diluted at the same amount as anyone else in this company. The, ne- the next time there's a restructuring, if the person who's got 70% goes down to 60% and I've got 10%, well then my 10% will be the, the percentage that it will go down is equivalent of his 70 going down to 60. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that people never think about that, but it's so important. It is. It's very important. Uh, the dilution and, you know, also like the power to distribute um, uh, for, for distributions, like who gets money. Like you don't want someone has, who has a larger stake or control that they say, okay, well, you know, you only own 20%. We together own 80%, but we're taking 100% of the profits of the distributions. You're not getting any because we don't like you. <laughs> we don't think you did anything this quarter. And so tough. I don't, uh, I don't understand why there isn't, you know, that stuff isn't up front and center, like everyone should know that. Well, I mean, it's LLCs allow these things to be flexible because there's a lot of situations where um, everyone might be fine with that, you know, for, for who knows why, what reasons, right? Like you agree, it's like that ownership, like distributions aren't necessarily tied to ownership percentage. Did, did I say that right? Distributions aren't. Yeah, yeah. Tied to ownerships, okay. You know, and, and, and there's so many special cases of like, LLCs that are created for different instances. Like, you, you know, like, you know, when the, when the construction company goes to build up a new property, they'll often create an LLC just for that project. 
mm-hmm. right? And they'll, put, they'll have some investors and they have some construction company and they'll have the management. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's just an example, right? There's just tons of weirders, LLCs that that are holding companies to buy other LLCs or other things. And, and as you see, there's different reasons for it. It's not just like about, it's the LLCs aren't just for codifying the relationship between three or four people working together on some small company. It's, it's, it can be all for all kinds of reasons. So you can see how it can be there. But if you are doing it for essentially a partnership like we are, that you definitely want to make sure the provisions are in there that, you know, these kind of things can't happen that you didn't foresee of like, you know, people diluting you or, or taking your owed distributions. You want to make sure that stuff is, is, is in there and you're protected. So moving on to a completely different subject, are you looking forward to MicroConf on April 30th? I am. I'm around. That's going to be a lot of fun. I yeah. am. I've got my plane ticket. I'm flying up from Savannah to uh, Los Angeles. And I think what you're you flying as well. Sorry, why did I say Los Angeles? I mean, uh, Las Vegas. Uh, you're flying as well, aren't you? Yeah. So, well, I was, gonna, I was planning on driving if it was just, if you and I were going to drive together, you know, that's fine because we had a lot of fun. We actually recorded a show on the way there and on the way back. Yeah. So that was fun. But I'm not going to drive five hours to Vegas by myself. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> how, much is, how much do you get the flight for? Hundred and twenty nine dollars, I think. Oh man, I'm I'm paying like uh, I think six hundred and fifty. Yeah, I mean, I would have paid like three or four hundred bucks. You know, well, I've got no choice if I want to get there. I've got to pay six hundred. You know. Yeah. No, you got no choice. But I mean, if if as it worked out where you moved and I was going to drive alone, if it was going to cost me three or four hundred bucks, three or four hundred dollars, I probably would just driven. But the fact that I could get a flight for 129 bucks and I got great times. I mean, they're perfect. I fly in and I get in at like five o'clock, you know, before. So by the time I I get time to get the hotel and check in and chill off for a while, and then it's time for the kind of welcome dinner and registration. And then, um, and then I fly out like seven or eight o'clock the night after. So it worked out perfectly for me. And then of course there's hard, the, 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 the hotel rooms are at the hard rack, Hard Rock Hotel, and they're really inexpensive, like 70 or 80 bucks a night. So, Hey, so now that we've got 30 days to go till uh, MicroConf, are you happy with how far we've got with AnyFoo? Are you going to be embarrassed to talk to people about it, or are you no, happy? I'm, do, we need, um, do we need to get further? I, you always think you're going to be further. I, think, I thought it'd be further with the technology, but I'm happy that we've, having, um, we've had four slash five sessions, and, and everyone without exception, has just been really happy with the experience and we've actually made revenue and profit. That's, 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 I mean, that's what a business is about. It's not about, you know, a, a database table and some queries. Yeah. <laughs> on a page. It's about money in the bank value. And what's in a, you know, it's, it's about creating value. And I think any foo is something where we're, we're trying to create our goals to set and create value for both parties, actually for three parties, the client, the expert, and us. Everybody is, comes away, everybody feels like it was fair, everybody got what they needed, everybody's happy. Actually, we delivered something that didn't exist before to, to really um, facilitate something like this. So yeah, I'm happy with that. And I think by the time this, the um, conference happens, I mean, I don't know how many sessions we'll have then. I don't know if we'll have 10 or 15 or 20 or 30. I don't know what it'll be, but That'll be, that's good. I mean, that's, that's, that's real, real progress. We should have more technology by then as well. A little bit more of it built. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, actually last night, you one thing I finished writing and I just, I just have one last thing to add to it is the cron script that pays out the experts. Right. So this was, this was, uh, we had an issue with webmaster checks where we thought we were sending the money, right? So they, <laughs> they, they have an API that basically says send the money, <laughs> but then it doesn't actually send the money. It, what it does is it just 
puts it into a queue that you then need to use another API call to bring back the entire queue of all the queued money that you're about to send and confirm it. Yeah, you, you basically have it. It's a two-stepper. So you say submit payment, you get back a payment ID, and then you do another function call called confirm payment. And then it, it send it the, that ID and it confirms it. And then what you do is, so let's say you have... But how do you, how do you get the... I mean, do you, you, do you get the ID... In the, in the first go? Like, so basically you yes. submit it and it gives you the ID back right then and then you say confirm. Or do you, yeah, get, a, you, do you get a list of all unconfirmed? Yeah, yeah. So like when you, when you submit, a, submit a, a payment, so we say submit ACH payment, um, you get that object that has all these different information and it. it's kind of this um, associative array with the various pieces of data in it. And then um, one of those is the payment ID. And then we take that payment ID um, and then we just, that's the only variable we pass in. And we just say, post this, we confirm it. And then they, then it's confirmed. It's confirmed payment. So let's say you have five payouts. So you just loop through. You say, all right, what are all the, what are all the experts that need to get paid out? In other words, what sessions have been, payments have been approved. The money's been collected by Stripe. It's been um, seven or eight days since that payment was accepted. So the money is now in our bank account. So we know we have the money. And then we sweep through those five pay them out, and then we calculate the total amount of funds, and we do a deposit funds that moves money from our Wells Fargo account into the Webmaster Checks, our Webmaster Checks account, the AnyFood Webmaster Checks account. And then, you know, they have a cron script that every, you know, day at like noon on a weekday, it processes it and sends it out. Why don't and we, they, actually, they actually approve. Why don't we update our, in our, in our API that we've written our little wrapper, why don't we just update the pay someone function to to automatically do the confirm thing at the end, and then we only ever need to call one function? Um, yeah, I was kind of thinking about that. And let's see, what was I had? Um, I was uh, the reason I didn't do that. I left it as is. Um, yeah, we could do that. I mean, it's, I, it's, it's just probably the uh, handiest thing because then then we ne- we don't need to care or think about that whole confirma- confirmation weirdness. We'll just. We'll just use the standard API that we're used to using our little functions and just send payment to someone. We just type in their bank account details and their name and their routing details and pay them and job done. Yeah, yeah, that's no, it's pretty the same. Yeah, so that, that's helpful. So I got that done. I, the only thing I need to add to it is um, the uh, I want to s- send us an email after the cron script runs when it gives a detail like who was paid and, and, and how uh, that it succeeded. So... You know, these three experts were paid this amount of money, success. And then what was the total amounts moved to the fund, success. And if there was any failures, we know about it. And so now be. you were telling me that the, the Webmaster Checks API, you were on the phone to these guys and they manually approve every payment. That's right. So they, so they, literally, so, so they literally go through everything that we post via the API and there's some person there who manually says, yep. Yeah, they have some That's, kind of a control panel and they have people like Chrissy, the, 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 the customer support person I was working with, she actually approves all of our stuff. And I, I asked him about that. I was, like, I was sort of shocked when he said yeah. that. And he's like, well, you can understand that, right? I mean, you know, just for fraud, to prevent fraud and stuff that we need to do that. And I'm like, all right. But I mean, how are they going to deal with thousands? I mean, how are they going to deal with thousands and thousands of payments? Well, I guess they, yeah, I, I don't know how it works. I mean, I don't know how they probably have, maybe they spot check it or whatever, and maybe they just haven't had that kind of volume. Who knows? Maybe they have a few other people doing it. Wow. I don't know. But I mean, thousands and thousands of payments. I mean, that would be, we, are you talking about from us alone? No, just, I, I know that they don't have too many customers on their system. So once they have, you know, thousands of customers, they're obviously going to have multiple thousands of payments. So Well, you know, the thing is like you, you deal with the problem when you come to it, right? Like, I think that's one of the problems that, 
that I think uh, technologists that we fall into, we're always worried about scaling yeah. everything to like, well, what if we do this when you have a billion records? It's like, eh, yeah. you have three. Why don't you worry about getting 10? Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. think companies, this, we, we sort of take that mentality of like algorithms and stuff to companies, but it's, but by the time a company gets to any kind of scale that you have to, that things have to change fundamentally, you're a different kind of company. You have different levels of resource. You can do things a different way. And I think, um, you know, people, that's a, I think that's a common common mistake, and so yeah, I just think it's worth worrying about. I don't think they probably probably not worried about it. All right. Um. So, do you want to talk about anything that is outside of uh, any food or texting? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think what we got here. Um. You know, it's funny. Uh, you know, I was thinking this the other night. You know, you've heard heard you heard me mention the prediction company to you it was this company that was started by. Doyne Farmer and Norm Norman Packard, they they did a bunch of stuff with Chaos Theory and the Santa Fe Institute and Prediction mm-hmm. Company was this trading company it was all based on artificial intelligence and fully automated trading systems and yeah. did this back in the nineties. Um back before the term high frequency trading was invented and, and that sort of stuff. And I remember one one phrase that they had, which was really funny, is like once or just struck me is that once the trading system was up it never went down after that. Like you don't ever, like let's say they put something up and it started losing money or it just wasn't as good. They wouldn't take it down and go back to the drawing board for three months. And once it's up, it's up. Yeah. So you don't, you're trading every day. And I, I kind of feel like that way with any food. It's like, you know, there were like bumps in the road, like, oh, you know, this happened or that happened. It's like, nope, we're not taking it down. Right. We're up. We're processing payments. We're processing, you know, we're facilitating transactions. It's real. And, uh, it's real. It's like, yeah, it's bumpy. It's not everything's there yet. You know, it's, it's that whole saying about that. What was, uh, if, if you've released, if you're not embarrassed by the product you've released, you've, you've, hold, you've held on way too long. It's like riding down the road in a, in a go-kart. <laughs> it's uh, rickety. Anyway, right. we're not supposed right. to be talking about anything anymore. No, I just, was, I'm just looking at my notes of things I wanted to say. Oh, you know, one thing I, I made for myself a couple weekends ago, um, took like an just a couple hours is I read a Chrome extension, mm-hmm. which by the way is really easy. Yeah. So if you thought you wanted Very a Chrome easy. extension, it's simple. Um, and uh, I essentially wanted something where I could select some text on a web page and then right click and then just say save as note. And it would save the title of the web page, you know, the link to the web page, and then the text. Because mm-hmm. the idea, you know, we're talking about that space learning. Yeah concept a lot of times i'll read stuff and like there are facts or pieces of information that i want to be able to remember and what i ultimately want to do is have a a, a a little thing that will every day it will email me a list of pieces of information that i've saved to remember and it'll, nice. it'll do that sort of it'll do it in that sort of like staged you know the space learning where it gets over longer periods of time but and then maybe so i can email once or twice a day with like five or ten items and i just kind of read through them real quickly it brings it back to my in my brain. And, um, I just thought that would be kind of useful. That would be kind useful of, for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So I might, um, you know, I, I, I just, right now it's just saving to a website where like a little, I use app ignite to generate a little API, a little website so I can go to it and I can look at the things I've saved and it just right clicks and saves. And I just want to, you know, how's app ignite coming? Let's see. So, um, we were making some good progress, but we actually stopped for a couple days, uh, probably for a week. And the reason is this. I actually got a contacted out of the blue by somebody out of China who was interested in licensing the code base for Prezo. Hmm. 
if you can believe that. <laughs> so it's like it's been thing has been dormant for a long time. And I guess they have like a some they're they're trying to put together a complete sort of online office suite, kind of like a la Google Docs, but right. just for China. And so they contacted us and, and wanted to say, like, well, you know, could we work with you or whatever? And I said, look, we're not really a going concern anymore. And how did they find you? They just said, um, like, because preza.com is not live, right? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know how they found me. Um, and they were like, and I said, well, we're not, I said, but we'll, I'll, you know, license the code to you. And they're like, well, well how much would that be? And I'm like, I don't know, 50,000. You can like for China <laughs> for an exclusive use in China. And uh, I mean, I was like, what number would I use? What number would I throw out there? What I consider not to be a pain in the butt, you right. know? And so, because, you know, we got to bring this code up and get it back up and working and just everything. And, yeah. and of course I don't get all of it. It's like, you know, the rest, it, I own what 42.5% of, of Adaptix. Okay. So I would get 40, 42% of the profits. I'm like, okay, so a few thousand would go into, cause now we got to do more tax, and accounting stuff. So if you're a couple, two, three thousand for that. And you, and you I, have investors, I, right? You have investors. So they would get cause and, uh, and, and Fez, Fez would both get their share. Uh, Fez and I are equal 42, five and cause I was like 15. Or really so. nice, to, so, nice to give a little something to them. Yeah. So, so yeah, what, yeah, I, story of yeah, it? I, yeah. So I guess I called, I called Fez. I said, ah, it's still an outside shot, but you know, we may have like, I don't know, 15 grand coming at you if this works out. And I told, um, guy because Gowan helped me build, build Prezo, and I said, look, I'll tell you what, I'll give you 5000 if you can get uh, Prezo up and working and rip out some of this, you know, sort of dead code and get it up and working on, um, on, a, on a website. And he's like, fine. I said, I, said, I think it's going to take somewhere between like 15 to maybe 25 hours yeah. of work. So 5000 would would be some pretty good juice. Mm-hmm. For you, and I said. Plus, I told the person I said if you want, and they said you could get ongoing consulting at a hundred dollars an hour with Guyon. On, on but, but now, are you so you're taking that five thousand dollar risk without knowing if they're going to buy this or not? I'm not going to know. Guyon is so Guyon could Guyon could spend fifteen twenty hours get this up and, and nothing. That's why he, you know I said I'll pay you five grand, thinking that he'll get at least two to one or more. I see okay. two hundred fifty dollars an hour for that. And I said, because I don't have time to deal with it, but if you're up for doing it, then, and he was like, well, that's a sweet deal for you. You don't have to do anything and, uh, you don't have well, to take any I'll, risk. <laughs> no, I will. I mean, cause like, first of all, I've already spent time with guy. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going back and forth. I've done a little bit of work on it, you know, not as much as him, but I have to spend work on this. I'm back and forth emailing with them. I'm gonna have to go out the contract stuff. I'm gonna have to get back in. You know, so I'm gonna have to work on a contract. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. have to go and meet with the account and get the account. You know, it's going to eat up. So but are these, I mean, how, how can you qualify if these guys are serious or not? I mean, what's your, how? not really. I mean, I just, when you throw out 50,000 and they don't blink, you know, and then they say, well, how much for a non-exclusive? And I was like, I don't know, 40. <laughs> like, okay. I, you know, I like whatever. And, um, so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really, other than just saying that, you know, they seem to be interested. She, you know, the, the girl who's been communicating with me or the woman who's been communicating with me is, seems pretty interested and pretty consistent. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just hoping that guy doesn't, it doesn't take guy more than say, you know, 20 hours of work total. Yeah. So it's not a huge investment, um, a risk on our side, but, um, or on his side. Hmm. Well, that's but, interesting. So that's good. So you've, so you stopped working on any food because, uh, guy yeah, working night. on epic, epic, epic night. night. Cause guy bringing that up. Okay, great. That's good. But hopefully that'll be done sometime 
at the end of the week. Um, so we got that up at it. Uh, we're getting that up at Codus Operandi forward slash Prezo. That's P R E E Z O. So it doesn't really work yet, but over the week or two, you'll see it kind of come together. Nice. They will bring back the dead. So that was kind of interesting. Um, maybe anything else? Can I, I guess we've had a pretty long show, haven't we? Uh, we've had about one hour 40 recorded. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, oh, you know, um, yeah, here's a good one. Um, the, uh, actually two things I want to talk about. Um, so that the tax refund, <laughs> I'm a very happy person. <laughs> so we, we have the same account, uh, Curtis Campbell, uh, you've, you've, I, I refer to you to him and also Pat Maddox, both, both you guys use Curtis and we've all had the same experience that, you know, he's, he's really good and he can save you a lot of money. So like we had, we thought we were going to owe, I guess there was an $8,000 difference between what we thought was going to be our tax situation. Like how much more we, we were going to have to pay the government versus like, Oh, we don't owe anything. In fact, we may actually get $1,500 back. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was, that's awesome. I'm like, Sandy was so excited. She's like, I gotta read the email again. <laughs> After she read it, I'm like lying on the, on the couch, on the kind of futon couch in my office as she's reading it. And, I'm, and she's like really happy. I'm like, so do you find me attractive? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, so nice. uh, it was, uh, that was a big um, mood changer when you all of a sudden feel like you're kind of, you're kind of stressed for money. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, whew. Yeah, and breathe. that's fantastic. You had the same thing, right? I totally did. I thought I thought it was gonna. Be, I thought my tax bill was gonna be really expensive, and he, uh, it it was at least ten thousand cheaper than I was expecting. So yeah. I was very happy with it. That was amazing. And so he, you know, and he's he's part of a of a fairly large can yeah, not a large, but it's, it's a very significant partnership. Well, so I, did I, I told you I went in to meet them. Did I? Right. Yeah. 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 So I, I was expect. I always got the impression that it was just you know, two guys. I just thought, oh, this is going to be a small little office with two guys in the front of a house. So I walked in there and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe Sitting it when it was porch. like, yeah, I just thought, I thought, I mean, I totally thought this was like a little kind of hokey kind of concept. I couldn't believe it when it was like a, a complete office building with like a hundred people in there, <laughs> like a receptionist. I was like, oh my God, I wasn't expecting this. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real, it's a yeah, significant, you it's know, a big deal. Company. It's a big deal, and he uh, Curtis knows his stuff. So, hey, if you live in California and you're you have like startup stuff companies, uh, you definitely want to get in touch. He's he's you know, and you need an account. He's I'd highly recommend him. So, just send me an email, and I'll get you in touch with him. But uh, yeah, I've definitely recommended everybody who's uh, everybody who's doing entrepreneurial things, who's who, whose um, tax situation is more complicated than a, what's the standard one, the W or what the hell thing is the 10, 10, I can't remember. What is the standard turbo one? Turbo tax. Yeah. Whatever turbo tax isn't going to cut it. <laughs> so what are we going to write in the show notes for this show? Spoke about any food, so texting donations and any foo. Any foo and <laughs> other stuff. Well, you know, one, one last thing I wanted to finish off and this is any foo too. So I'll, um, Oh, bring it up. But you, we were talking about the idea of like getting a ton of experts on, like you were like, why don't we just get like, you know, email all these people. And, and I, th- no, 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 what, no, what, no, okay. So you asked, you, one of my tasks is to go away and um, find, to, to start finding lists of people who we might approach. So right. I wrote a very nice script to parse uh, O'Reilly 
books and uh, basically find all of their technical experts and convert it into a Google, spre- Google spreadsheet. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you, we've got all these people, you know, it wouldn't be that much of a stretch to get their email addresses and spam them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, negative, Ghost Rider. We're not doing that. <laughs> I know. It's, it's the point where automation is so isn't. tempting. I know. So, oh. it, yeah, I would de- I definitely, it's definitely worth, you know, trying to get their email so it's convenient, so it's easy for us. We don't have to waste a lot of time finding them. So if they're, but we go on the list, we find people who we think, hey, we need a, this person looks really good. You know, they're in an area we don't have anyone yet. And then we just kind of send them personal emails, you know, but, research them and make it very personal. And But isn't that the same as spam? I mean, if let's say we choose 10 people off that list that I passed. So we go and find those 10 people, we research them, we write a personal email. Aren't we basically spamming them? No, I mean, because if, 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 if somebody is... If somebody emails me, but they, do the time, but they take the time to research me and they understand who I am and what I'm doing and whatever, and then they email me a personally written email and say, hey, Jason, we want to work with you. We'd like to talk to you about X, Y, and Z. That's fine. But if I can tell it's just some sort of BS form letter, it's just offensive. It's always offensive. Even friends of mine who send me sort of like these form letter emails, occasionally I can tell they send it to like 50 people like Christmas or not Christmas, but just like this one guy who will send an email like what he's doing and I can tell it's sort of his form letter. I'm always, I'm like, I'm less impressed. I'm not offended, but I'm just like, eh, whatever. You know, I'm not his email list. But, and I I think it's the same way. I think what we want to do is develop really strong relationships with all of these experts. I mean, first of all, it's fun. I really enjoy talking to everybody we're talking to. But But when we have a strong relationship with them, it helps Anyfu on top of that. The, the, the fringe benefit is that they become connected to Anyfu. They like the story. They're a part of the Anyfu story. And then they want to help us out. They're like, hey, you know, I'm rooting for you guys. Here, I got another guy I think you guys should talk to. And they do a warm intro. It, it's just, it just creates a lot of, of, of benefit. All right. But, uh, so it's, it, it's more work. Okay, it's, so you, we're not I, spammers. No, I, I don't want to send an email and have like a 5% re- response rate. I want to send an email and have like a 90% response rate or 80%. I want to send an email like eight people we contact. We send an email to, we, they know we're contacting them because we, because we know who they are. We want to talk. We want them specifically. And uh, yeah. But the other thing, one concern you had, which I think is a legitimate concern, you're like, well, if we have fewer experts, we're going to grow less quickly. Like if we have 50 experts versus 500, say, maybe we would, that would, you know, assuming, and I don't even know if it would be nearly that large, no matter how much, what tact, tactics we used to grow, what our strategy was. I think that by having, by focusing, really focusing on high quality experts, A-flight experts, that you get this reaction where people are, are blown away by the people you have on there. Like one, the, the latest client who set up a, a session with Lance Jones for some a website conversion optimization stuff. He, he sent an email back to Rob Walling who had referred him to us and he's just like, holy crap, the people, I can't believe the talent they have on this site, right? And it's just like six or seven people we put up there, right? Yeah. You want that reaction because when people have the holy crap reaction, they tell other people about it. It becomes like what Seth Godin refers to as the purple cow. If we just have a site where we have, well, we have lots of people who say they're experts and, you know, you can hire people. It's like, okay, it's kind of interesting. But if you go there and you're like, it's like everyone's kind of world class, that's something you would actually talk about. You'd write a blog post about or you'd tweet about like, this is really interesting. This is really crazy. Right. I'd love to get some feedback on this show. Um, 
as as always we mix it up and keep it random but this this show has been like purely about us so it'd be interesting to see what the feedback is about a show like that what do you think so oh it was just any food centric yeah pretty much i mean i I know some people just just like listening to the, the discussion shows just because it's like hanging out with two buddies in a bar and and from that point of view it doesn't really matter what we talk about just as long as we have a jovial and happy discussion we're not arguing too much. <laughs> well, I think um, that's probably true. I think mostly it's 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 easier if we do a show that we're interested in what we're talking about. And right now we're both really so fired up about Anifu. It's hard to really get too interested in this other stuff. I mean, I've read. I didn't read as much this week because I was just so focused on on Anifu, so I didn't have as much to talk about. And then it turns out that I just really I don't know about you, but I just really wanted to talk about this stuff. <laughs> now, we, we we have an interview this uh, coming Wednesday, right? yeah yeah just do a little heads up about that yeah it's a, f- a friend of mine who um dan southworth's his name he was the quantum ranger you know if if if, if you were a kid growing up or you uh, have kids who watch the power rangers he was the quantum ranger so he was the one power ranger of all the seasons he was a badass like he wasn't really the good guy like the power rangers he was kind of a vigilante <laughs> a little bit he was a little into, into it for himself to a certain degree i mean he had a mission he had principles but he was kind of like he had a ledge to him he was cool and um so my son Colby was watching it, and it was funny. I'd be like, "Why?" I'd walk through and I'd see the TV on with, and I'd see Dan there, and Colby's like, "Yeah, it's Dan," because he he knows Dan. You know, <laughs> nice. Dan was teaching him backflips at the parkour Cause, gym. Yeah, because Dan's the your buddy who's a parkour expert, right? He's one of my buddy Mitchell and Dan. They're both. So when I lived with a, uh, I I've told you I, at one point back in the late '90s, I lived with these four stuntmen for a while, and they were two. They were both stuntmen, and in addition to being power rangers. <laughs> whatever so well anyway so dan has created his own uh web uh web series called divergence yeah it's a 10 you got 10 10 webisodes up and they shot and did the whole thing so it's gonna be fun to talk to him talk about their whole experience of like writing and producing and shooting and it's like a startup you know it's like just bootstrap and get something off the ground and uh it's something that uh we did a little bit of that when we shot that mortal Kombat um this two minute thing back uh in 1997, we used to hide camera, <laughs> edit that thing on a compression board on like a Pentium 90 or something. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in the show more. It's it's some funny stories. It'll be it'll be. It right. be- it's gonna be it's it's gonna be you talking with a with an old buddy. So it should be a good show. Yeah, and uh, it should be fun. We'll we'll see. So um, but well, I think that's I think that's good for a show. I think we should uh, wrap cool. it up. Yeah, let's call it. All right, that's a wrap. We're out. Yeah, I got that script written. Okay. So, so I'm going to add the email thing in, and then I'm going to double check that we have the muff money in the account, <laughs> and double check that they all have their ACH set up. That's not PayPal. That, does, uh, is that script pay- automatically pulling records that are over eight days old? Yeah. So what it does is it pulls all records that um, have a session invoice paid, but not you know because invoice paid is the point where it's been paid but it's not been paid out okay and it checks the days if the days are greater than or equal to eight days then it uh executes them and it sends the state to expert paid out awesome and uh so we will yeah, see what so happens so, so just, have, have you paid have you passed anything through to don felke yet or you No. so this is what we do so i really i'm just like i want to triple quadruple check that it's all right you know and i i was very 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 careful last night going through it because i don't want this when are you going to run that script 
Uh, I guess I'll probably just run this afternoon. I just want to add the email thing and then double check the bank account. And are, you, are you tracing to screen with that script? I I haven't because, but I I'm, I think what I might do is uh, is I'll do that. Um, I think for the moment, because what I did with the script that I wrote, I basically every core piece of logic in the script, I traced it to a file so that I can see hundred percent because I can just totally see exactly what's going on because it's such a back end low level script and it's it can bankrupt us. It's like it's yeah important. yeah it's yeah. I'll important. do that. I'll yeah. do that. That's a good point. I'll do that. <coughs> so yeah. and uh, I fear that and and also it will email us the status so that every day we know what happens and okay cool alert anything yeah sound good and, and and I mean trace it to the point where it it's it's telling you what logic branches it takes you know yeah no I'll do yeah. that okay cool that's fair enough awesome <laughs> um and then we just have to set up so what I'll do I'll I'll run it and what I'll do is I'm just gonna run it from the screen. Yeah, and uh, and then and then you and I need to set it up as a cron. Okay. Or I'll just tell you here's the here's the file name. Just run it as a cron, and uh, you can set it up. Are you do you have to set it up the command line, or do you do they have a command? Uh, like, um, is there a web control panel? Well, the, so far for the script that I've been doing, uh, I run it on the command line, and I actually look at the trace statements, and I'm going to just keep on running it. And it, I also created a test mode, so that basically it goes it goes through the whole script and prints out what it's going to do, potentially. And then if I turn off test mode, it, it runs it for real. But um, I'll, I would just do it through the cron script. Um, I'll show you how to, how to add that. Yeah, okay, That'd cool. All right, man. All well, right, um, and I made, I made some changes to the, um, I made some minor changes to the uh, webmaster checks. I made it a static functions because it doesn't need it. So it has no state, but uh, that was about it. Okay, nice. And you saw that I pushed I, through that, in, the invoice update stuff, right? The, with the, with the I, date. I, I did. I did. Thanks. Is, that, is so, that plugged in yet? Is it plugged in? No. Yeah. Am I using? Are we generating an invoice? Yeah. No. no. Okay. No, I, I have a couple things. I need to get this done first because we've got to pay these guys. And I fixed a couple of bugs. You know what happened is you know, you know why it didn't add the um, the service fee uh, no. to those why? transactions. I, I didn't update the settings file with the percent. I have something called add. You know, like uh, oh, so. What's this? Zero percent. Yeah, it just made a zero because I didn't add it. I didn't add. I, didn't, I never added that file to the the production settings. That's why it ran in test oh, mode no. and running. I didn't. Oh, that sucks. You know, obviously my fault, but it was like I tested it. And I'm like, how the fuck? How the fuck did that work? And then I looked at it and I said, wait, let me look at the settings file. I'm like, oops. So even when exist. is Jeff going to want his the invoice, the the final invoice? Well, he wants it. He's just please send it to me. I mean, I don't think he's like send it he's to me by Tuesday. He wants to send it to me. I mean, I think I'd you know, obviously probably like to get get him. So are we going to send it or it's going to be that he, uh, he can kind of log into his account and click on a button to download invoice from past sessions? I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to create an email. So after you approve a session and therefore pay it, it will generate an email that will send it back to the client and say, hey, thank you for using Interfo. You're saying it's been approved. Here's an invoice. Here's a copy of their paid invoice. But when you log into your dashboard and you see sessions, there should be a link to, you know, view or, you know, PDF invoice for the session okay i right. like that That's always good. go back and get it you get it sent to you automatically which will be very convenient and because they might not otherwise they might not realize that they have them and then we'll get emails like what well, do i get a p- invoice like you know they get one email to them we'll, we'll never have that and then they can always go back later to past sessions and do it so for jeff i'll be like hey just log in your dashboard and your session see you have a link there just can download them there perfect okay sounds fair awesome. yeah that's awesome okay. so um sweet yeah so i'm um 
I have a list of like little shit to do. I, I'll, I'll as I knock them out, I'll just tell you about them. They're all just kind of very rudimentary things. Um, one of it is like I don't have the service fee stuff added onto the invoice when this when the expert appro- when the client approves it. And Jeff pointed out to me, he's like, "Yeah, you probably want to add that." It's like it's okay with me, but I think some people might piss them off. I'm like, "Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> yeah, forgot that. Definitely. It's been on my to do list. I just forgot about it." Um, also, you were gonna on that other page um, make it clearer about the schedule schedule session stuff. Did you yes, get rid so- of that? I haven't done that yet. I will do that, but um, and that uh, that that'll be my list of like all the little things I'm going to do after I do the um, this payment script. Just finish off this payment script thing. Um, but we need to. Uh, I got. I might need to ask you about like. I can't remember if event fires every single time that you select a session. Like, yeah, that's I need the, to, yeah. Every, every time you let go of the mouse, uh, an event fires, and it basically saves. So can I query and say, well, how many can I, do I have like a script says, okay, well, like you have three time ranges and here's what they are or something like oh, that. Oh yeah. We, well, we can do that because basically we can just have a look at the array and see how many um, sessions there are. There, Let's do that together. Yeah, yeah, Let's do that. Fine, I, fine. I, we need a session together. Where we do that and we do the cookie session maintaining thing. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Let's, I, let's, let's just plan on doing those two things together and it'll probably take us like an hour and a half, two hours to do both of them completely. Okay. So I will be doing the, for the, for the NDA thing. Um, Basically, I'm going to start off by doing the insert an image into a PDF at precise coordinates. So just just work out how to do that. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I because that's one thing I used to hear confident about it, but I've just I've always heard a PDF you're not supposed to be able to edit them. So when you say you can do that, I, I just want to make sure. Yeah, so I'll get that done first, and I'm hoping that should be easy. <laughs> we'll yeah, let's test the things that we're least certain about. <laughs> right, so if you can do that. But then yeah. I'm going to start looking at doing some kind of nice WYSIWYG signature concept so that they can drag it around the screen. They can use a number of different fonts. Maybe even, I don't know, like 10 different hand, hand writing type fonts from Google Web Fonts. Yeah, and, that's uh, fucking, that's be awesome. See, that's going to be fun for you to do, and yeah. it's going to be it's like, I'm, dude, I'm telling you, this is going to have huge payoff for us. It's going to be fucking like... <laughs> love this shit. <laughs> they are. This is the little, it's the little <laughs> shit that, that just really sets us as professional thing. We're not just like, you know, it's like this bells and whistles. What I'm things. wondering about that is to how to convert that into some kind of image that then gets inserted into the PDF. So, you know, you, you that the, uh, fair enough to capture the sign, signature, but then that needs to be converted to some kind of JPEG. I guess I'll have, maybe we'll have to, ha- to use something on the back end, some PHP thing. You could, I think, it, do, do a search. There yeah. might actually be stuff like, check this. You might be able to use it in JavaScript. There might be like generating images using JavaScript. Use that. There might be some new JavaScript library that will have to be well supported. Yeah. But maybe using like VML or SVG or something. Um, Or we might be able to say, here's the font, generate it using your, uh, the GD image or whatever the hell it is on the PHP. That might be the way to do it. I bet you can do that. I'm sure you can actually plug in the fonts at the back end. Like with good. That would probably be the easiest. Yeah. That would probably be the most like guaranteed to work. Um, cool. See, each of those pieces, you get all those pieces together, glue them all together, and it's going to be hot. All right. Okay. I'm telling you. I'm, you I think I'm going to leave this last little discussion in the show as well, but I'll, I'll put it after the ending. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are, are you skeptical? Do you not think it's going to be hot? No, no, I think it's going to be hot. I think it's going to be hot. Yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> you sound a little skeptical. You're like, no, okay. no, I think it's going to be awesome. I really do. Okay. I, uh, I think it's going to be good. So <laughs> excited. I'm excited. <laughs> we what was it I was thinking of? Um, was it uh, the movie in Ghostbusters when uh, Bill Murray's like, he's like, 
I like this plan. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to be part of this team. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I like this plan. I'm excited about it. And the other part with uh, the one guy's like, we got the tools. We got the talent. 